Brickhill last Wednesday. When she arrived home, they ripped the basket containing a handbag from the front of a scooter, damaging the ignition and rendering it unusable. Police say the group are all young black men aged between 13 and 18. They were wearing hoods and one was riding a bicycle. A major road in Milton Keynes will be resurfaced after a section of loose road sliced through the bottom of a bus, injuring an elderly passenger. The incident happened last weekend when an Arriva bus was turning into Lower 9th Street. Our reporter Paul Scoynes has been at the scene. As you look out to the road, you see these huge concrete blocks. And what I can see from just going and standing on one of them is you can see that they're very loose indeed and they actually move quite a degree when you stand on them and there's a number of these slabs which do the same and every time a bus goes over these slabs they move sometimes fairly violently as well i haven't seen any come out of their moorings although this is what appears to have happened just a week ago the support staff who provide basic care to patients in NHS hospitals, residential homes and in the community should receive a minimum standard of training before being allowed to work unsupervised, according to an independent review. In the wake of failures of care at Stafford Hospital, the Sunday Times journalist Camilla Cavendish was asked to look at the role of healthcare assistants. She found some performed tasks such as washing, dressing and feeding patients, while more highly skilled hospital carers took blood and did other tasks usually done by nurses or doctors. The government's preparing to give MPs more details about the proposed privatisation of Royal Mail. The business is likely to be listed for £2.5 billion with shares available to staff, investment institutions and members of the public. The Communication Workers' Union says the sale will badly affect the company's workforce. Sport in England take on Australia in the five-match Ashes Test Series, which starts later at Trent Bridge. Yorkshire batsman Joe Root's been promoted up the order and will open the batting in place of Nick Compton, who's been dropped. The weather, cloudy and cooler than of late with a top temperature of 21 degrees Celsius. That's 70 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Now, while the bus story is very serious, and we, we will be looking at that in just a few minutes, I, for one, would certainly like to hear more news reports that feature political reporter Paul Scoynes bouncing up and down on, on rocks. He's very good at it. Isn't he just? Mm-hmm. And it is a very serious story. We'll, we'll be talking about that shortly. But it's certainly... Uh, had a frisson, didn't it, hearing Paul Scoynes there? Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Are you saying it might be another nice day? Really? Wowzers. I went to that there London yesterday. Oh, it was hot and horrible. Oh, it was hot and indeed horrible. This is the kind of weather you want to be sat n- near a lake. Isn't it? Isn't it? No? Oh, OK, just me then. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including... Postal workers have started a week-long bus tour today as they head towards London to campaign against the privatisation of Royal Mail. Well, do you think you get a good service from Royal Mail, or, or could it be better? A disabled woman has been verbally abused and robbed on her way home from Bedford Town Centre. She had to endure 40 minutes of abuse, which ended in the gang damaging her scooter. Well, is hatred towards disabled people more common than we think? And the Simon Pegg film World's End, which was filmed in Letchworth, has its premiere tonight in London's Leicester Square. That there, London! Well, we'll be talking about that and more. <laughs> I wimped out. Lots of ways to get in touch. We've got the internet and everything today. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR texts. 81333, start your text 3CR, or give me a phone call, please. 08459 455 555. 
across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, this is uh, uh, an incredible story. A major road in Milton Keynes will be resurfaced after a section of loose road... Just get this for a second. Sliced through the bottom of a bus, injuring an elderly passenger. Some road sliced through the bottom of a bus and injured an elderly passenger. Well, chair of the Milton Keynes Bus Users Group, Peter Ballantyne, says he's been complaining about this road for over a year. He met with Arriva, the bus company involved, and MK Council yesterday, and today he joins me. Good morning, Peter. Yes, good morning. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to get my head around exactly what happened. Can you, can you explain to us, in simple terms, what, what did happen? Yes, I mean, the buses in Milton Keynes have to come round what we call a dog leg, which is round by Debenhams. They then get, turn up into a road called Lower Ninth Street, and then traverse down Midsummer Boulevard to, uh, to go through the centre. As this bus was coming around from Avery Boulevard, um, what is called a channel divider, it's like a large slab of concrete, which is where the uh, tarmac uh, ends and the edge of the road is, lifted up and, and went straight through the floor of one of the buses traversing over. Now, we'd been complaining about how, how loose these had become over the last 18 months. It went straight through the floor of the bus? It went through the floor of the bus. It, it pierced the whole um, chassis bottom and came up through, the, uh, through into the bus. And you've seen the photos of this damage, have you, Peter? I have, yes, and, uh, you know, they're quite shocking. And it injured an elderly passenger. What, what do we know about the injuries? Well, as I say, uh, as far as I'm understanding, it was two broken ankles and some damage to the, to the leg of the lady. That, uh, and she was a 60-year-old uh, pensioner. She broke her ankles? Yes. I mean, it came through with such force. Of course. Yes. This is, I find this absolutely incredible. You always think that you're comparatively safe on a bus. I use the bus all the time. I love it. But for a piece of concrete to come through and break her ankles, yes. what happened to uh, the Peter? I'm assuming she was rushed to hospital immediately. Yes, taken to hospital, and, and, and obviously there was chaos with the buses all behind, all, all being held up. But, but uh, we, I can report that after a, a very good meeting yesterday with senior transport officials, uh, immediate remedial work is going to occur. So that's going to start today, is it? As far as I understand, what they're going to do is they're going to remove all of these loose uh, channel dividers, uh, that's what they're called, yeah. um, and tarmac over. But they have to do a legal um, notice, which takes about six to eight weeks, and then they'll tarmac the whole area. How long ago did you first recognise that this road was potentially dangerous? Well... Part of the design of the roads... Uh, the Peter, road are you on a landline? Yes, I Could am. you do me a favour? Could you just give your handset a little knock on the table beside you? Because right. the line's a little bit fuzzy. Well, it, it sounds fine on this end. OK, well... OK. This is the... I've, I've given it a radio knock. Brilliant. There we go, that's better. Excellent, thank you. Um, the design of the area is that at the top of the Lower Ninth Street there are a load of cobbles, uh, which was part of the urban design that was agreed many years ago. They've been breaking up for some time, so we'd also been complaining about how these had been breaking up, and, and what had been happening is they'd just been patched. So it was a general comment about the experience of a bus user going through the centre was, was not exactly the most comfortable. So it's been an ongoing conversation, and we had had conversations in, the, in recent months to say um, that this needed attention. 
So this accident could have been avoided if, if they'd listened to you? It could have been avoided, but I think it was one of these freak accidents that, um, that can occur. Oh. No one really knows why it happened, because the bus wasn't exactly travelling fast or um, racing around the corner or anything like that. It was just one of those freak moments. How is the woman now, Peter? As far as I'm understanding, she's, she's improving. Right. Um, but as I say, we, we were concerned that it was not an accident going to happen again. Yeah. Because of all the loose unit um, um, channel dividers all the way up the road. And do we know, is she going to sue? I can't answer that one, because I, I, you know, I, I don't know. OK, Peter, thank you very much indeed. We'll let it go, because the line uh, is, isn't particularly good. It's Peter Ballantyne, chair of uh, Milton Keynes Bus Users Group. Imagine that, you're, you're on the number 62 or whatever it is, you're just going into town, get a little bit of shopping... Suddenly, a big rock fall, flies up through the floor of the bus and breaks both your ankles. Well, in a statement, Milton Keynes Council have said a team was sent to the area immediately after hearing the news of the incident to assess the situation and to make the area safe. A full permanent repair is already planned and will be undertaken shortly. We're currently investigating the incident. The facts, as we currently understand, are that a piece of granite from the road was dislodged, dislodged and caused damage to the bus. A lady travelling on the bus was injured. Our investigation will seek to establish fully what caused the accident. We are, of course, shocked and saddened to hear of this occurring. Yeah, not as shocked and saddened as the lady with the two broken ankles, I shouldn't think. We'll be hearing from Arriva after seven. 08459 455555.
right, Dusty Springfield. I like a bit of Dusty Springfield. <clears throat> There's a thing in one of the papers. I'm just trying to find it. You can hear me. Um, oh, here we go. It's in the Express. By the way, what's the Express's uh, health story on the front page? Statins really do save your life. Well, that's great news. 50 ways to make your child summer. This comes from uh, Clark's, the Who people. Have you heard the Clark's song? Clark's are really big, I think, in Nigeria. I could be wrong. It's somewhere in Africa. They're, uh, they're, they're huge. And this guy's written a, a brilliant song about them Clark's shoes. That's how it goes. It's a good... Anyway. Anyway, anyway. 50 ways to make your child summer. So these, these lists that pop up from time to time. 50 things to make your, your child summer. And some of them are brilliant, OK? Um, um, become a comic book hero. All right, fine. That's great. Uh, draw a life-size person. That's uh, a little bit... You do that in two minutes. OK, what next? Some of them are rubbish. Oh, build a den. Build a den is excellent. Kids don't build enough dens these days. We're always building dens at home. Uh, we build them indoors with sheets and things. We're lucky enough that uh, we also got, got a, a nice garden. with there's, there's a den in the garden. Anyway, some of them are rubbish. Um, make a kite. Well, that's not going to work. Homemade kites never, ever work. Uh, create an everlasting flower. What? Pick your own tasty treat. Doesn't even mean anything. Host a taste test. These are kids. Kids don't want to host taste tests. They want to go and play on their Xbox. Put on a fashion show. Open a cinema at home. Do you know how difficult it is to open a cinema? You've got to get the rights for the films. You can't just show, you can't just charge people to come around and watch it. Doesn't anybody listen to Simon Bates at the beginning of videos anymore? Uh, rights to a pen pal. Oh, jeez. We can throw that out there. What? What? Uh, can we have some top things to make your child summer, please? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You can text as well. Eight one three double three. Start your text three CR. Right. Eight fifteen. Let's get the travel. Here's James Wally. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian. On the northbound M40, there's an accident between the M25 and Junction 2, Beaconsfield. The outside uh, uh, three lanes are currently closed. In fact, the inside three lanes, rather, the outside lane is open. Uh, Two lorries involved, I can see on camera. There's a short queue on the approach. So just to reiterate, uh, lanes 1, 2 and 3 on the northbound M40 between the M25 and Beaconsfield closed for the recovery of two lorries in an accident. A short queue there. Moving on to Butler's Cross, Wendover Road is blocked. The trees come down between the Ellsborough Road Junction and the junction of Pound Street. As for trains across the three counties, looking all right this morning, no reported problems. James Wally, BBC Three Counties Radio. James, thank you very much. Right, 6.16, it's uh, Wednesday the 10th of July. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A court has heard how the boyfriend of 19-year-old Amelia Arnold, whose body was found in Hatfield in November, told his uncle he'd murdered her. A latent buzzard man is due before magistrates later in connection with a recent spate of gun crime in Luton. In sport, England's cricketers begin their five-match Ashes Test series against Australia at Trent Bridge later. Coming up, St Albans could lose its probation offices. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's a test of skill. Oh, what a climactic finish to another remarkable test match. It's a test of teamwork, a test of stamina, 
A test of pride. We call it the Ashes. England versus Australia. Every single ball, wherever you are. The home of the Ashes on the radio is Test Match Special. The Ashes starts this morning from 11. Full live coverage across the BBC and ball-by-ball commentary on 5 Live Sports Extra and BBC Radio 4 Longway. Go to bbc.co.uk slash cricket to find out more. I'm okay, thanks, but cheers for the offer. 08459 455 555 is the phone number if you want to give us a call. Top tips for things to do with the kids in summer. I'm not convinced by this list. Host a taste test? How on earth do children know what a taste test is? I can't even get them to eat normal things. Let alone have a little bit of, I don't know, a crab and some cheese. I don't know what you're doing a taste test. I've never been to one, to be honest. Uh, yes. Way. I can't survive, can't stay alive without your love. Don't leave me this way, no. I can't exist, I surely miss your tender kiss. songs are, isn't it? I've just worked out what the line satisfy the need in me means. And it's not, you know, come on, let's go and get some apples. You don't need apples, you need something else. 
455555. Now, fears that St Albans could lose its probation offices under government plans to privatise the service are due to be voiced in the city this evening. Much of the workload could be put out to tender if the proposed changes eventually become law. We can talk now to Labour councillor Jacob Qualiosi, uh, who's behind a motion which will be considered at a full meeting of St Albans District Council tonight. Good morning, councillor. Good morning. What does the, what does the uh, government want to do and why? So what these proposals, which are in the House of Lords um, now, actually, to, today, in fact, um, set out is to put up to 70% of um, probation work, current probation work out to uh, competitive tender uh, to the private sector. And that will mean, essentially, that all medium and low-risk um, probation work goes to private companies um, in real terms, what that's going to mean is two large providers who are probably known to uh, your listeners, the names anyway, um, will we'll run our probation service. And I think there's a real um, debate to be had uh, among the public, which isn't being had at the moment, about whether we want a probation service run for profit or one run for public good. How will this impact on St Albans and the rest of Hertfordshire? Well, Hertfordshire, essentially, at the moment, there's... 35 probation trusts across the country. Hertfordshire is one. Um, and what the government proposed to do is to essentially shut down the probation trust, um, as, as we know it, make it into a government-run company. Um, there are four uh, different offices, probation offices across Hertfordshire, serving all of Hertfordshire, um, deal with about 3,500 um, service users um, per year, <clears throat> uh, St Albans deals with between six to eight hundred. And to be honest, there's a real question mark over future of um, the office in St Albans, and, and I would suspect elsewhere as well, as we really don't know, um, you know, what will happen to the infrastructure that's there already. Councillor, is this system that you have in place now working perfectly? Well, no. I think it's fair to say there's more we can do on um, cutting reoffending. Um, rates and if you look at um, you know the the figures for last year, we've got a lot more. Um, well, it could be do. it could be argued you've you've had your chance, or, or, or this the system in place at the moment has had its chance uh, for quite a long time and has failed. So the government should look at the, the cutting costs and, and, and getting someone else to have a go. Well, I think when you look at the when you actually drill into what's actually going on in the service. It's pretty interesting, and it tells an interesting story. Go on. Um, you, you look at, at the moment, for example, um, one of the highest reoffending rates is for um, offenders who are released having served a sentence of less than 12 months. Now, part of the government plans I agree with is to say that um, people come and they get very little support, and they'll get um, full probation support. Now, given that most people don't get support already, they're not um, in the probation service, um, and they're, you know, essentially putting the, the numbers up with their reoffending rate, it seems mad to um, to take away um, the rest of the work from, from the probation service. If you look at um, the low and medium um, risk offenders, actually their uh, reoffending rate is improving. Um, and clearly in Hertfordshire as well, we seem to have um, a probation trust which is markedly improved from what it was five or six years ago, um, only last December, won an award, uh, Public Service Award for Innovation. Um, so we've got a service that's improving. 
can do more, but by getting rid of people who are best trained to deal with very complex problems, I don't think we're going to make much um, much do of the solution. Everybody has to is cutting uh, corners and, and saving money. Everywhere is doing that. Uh, and if private companies can be more financially efficient, and we have to look into that, don't we? Yeah, I mean, this isn't, you know, this is, there's a moral or an ethical question about whether we want private companies to, to run something which is, he seems like a public good, like probation. But there is also a question about whether this actually works. And actually, if you look, but it's not at, been working you know, the way, the way it's at the moment, has it? Like I say, there's more we can do to 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 make it run more efficiently. But why haven't you done those? Why haven't you done those done those things before? Well, this is a service that's improving. You know, you cannot you cannot say um, that this isn't improving. You know, the, uh, we're, we're going to bring more service users into the system now. Those people on. Uh, being released, having served sentences of less than 12 months, and take away more experienced people to deal with them. Um, and these are, like I say, this isn't uh, this isn't something where you've got. There's no quick win here. These are people with very complex um, problems. Some, about 70 percent of probation work um, in people with uh, mental health problems, substance abuse, alcohol abuse. Now, getting a private company and saying we'll pay you by results if you get X amount of offenders. Uh, turned around within a year. Sounds a good idea on on the tin, but when you look into it, some of these people require a lot of um, a lot of resource, a lot of time spent on them. Um, and what I think the fear is from people in the service is that you'll get um, a focus on those who are easy to turn around quickly, and uh, and those who take a bit uh, take more time and effort will be ignored. Are you, are you worried, Jacob, that uh, crime will go up in places like St Albans if these changes come into effect? Look, I, I think I can't find better words to describe this, uh, these proposals than uh, the government's own risk assessment that says that there is a 50 to 80% chance that um, the quality of service will decline um, and that there will be reputational damage um, to, the, to the probation service and the Ministry of Justice. Now, if we were talking about trains, that means your train's going to run late. If we were talking about... Um, uh, private, util- uh, private utility companies, that means your energy bills might go up. When we're talking about probation, that means public safety, and that means reoffending rates going up. Jacob, thank you very much for your time. That's uh, Councillor Jacob Qualiosi, um, uh, Labour councillor, who's worried about the potential changes to uh, the probation service. 08459 455 555. If you want to have your say on that, you can um, go to Facebook as well. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Have I mentioned the podcast? Oh, yes, we have. The sh- the, no, I, w- I will do. This show has uh, a podcast now. You can find it by going to BBC website and uh, downloading it from the podcast page there. Or if you're, you're familiar with iTunes, if you type in Ian Lee, I-A-I-N-L-E-E, uh, and BBC into iTunes, it pops up. Uh, and uh, they only last for 30 days. So the first couple or first two or three episodes have gone already. I think they're about four or five episodes up a time. So go and get them. Uh, and in the most recent one, you can hear Barry from Watford flirting with Nanny Eileen. And uh, you can also uh, hear a peeping Ken in Luton taking pictures of his neighbours. I know it's as creepy and as wonderful as it sounds. So do go and have a little uh, listen to that. <laughs> 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The problems on the M40 this morning. Northbound, three lanes are closed off for recovery work after an accident with two lorries involved in the early hours. This is between Junction 1A at the M25 and 2 at Beaconsfield and traffic is looking slow. Wendover Road in Butler's Cross has been blocked both ways by a fallen tree between Ellsborough Road and Pound Street. On the M25, traffic at the moment is moving quite well. No delays through the roadworks section as yet between Junction 25 and 23. Hitchin Road in Luton, you have resurfacing work ongoing. It's near the junction with the A505. And then in Dunstable, Pointers Road is closed. They're doing major reconstruction works. It is shut off between the A505 at the Pointers Road roundabout and Wheatfield Road at the Woodside Industrial Estate. That means you have to divert down the A505, Boscombe Road and Ports Avenue. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Coming up to 6.30, let's get the latest news and sport now. Is Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The court has heard how the boyfriend of 19-year-old Amelia Arnold, whose body was found in Hatfield in November, told his uncle he'd murdered her. A late and buzzard man's due before magistrates later in connection with a recent spate of gun crime in Luton. And police in Bedford are appealing for witnesses after a disabled woman was followed home by a group of boys who verbally abused and robbed her. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. After all the talking, England finally begin their Ashes campaign at Trent Bridge this morning, looking to win their third straight series against Australia. Our cricket correspondent Jonathan Agnew looks ahead. It was 34 years ago in 1989 that England were last favourites to win the Ashes. Then an Australian team dubbed in the British press as the worst ever to visit these shores won 4-0. Although England are strong favourites and have a good team, it's not a great one, suggesting a clean sweep is highly unlikely. Conditions, though, might suit them. This Trent Bridge pitch is starting as dry as any other can remember here, bringing Graham Swan into play early and assisting reverse swing for which James Anderson is renowned. If this grounds once prepared a dry pitch, others probably will too, which will challenge Australia's weaknesses, the calibre of their batting and the lack of a quality spinner. Mark Cavendish will look to put a dramatic day at the Tour de France behind him when the 11th stage gets underway later today. Marcel Cattell claimed victory yesterday, but Cavendish was in the spotlight after being forced to deny he was responsible for colliding with Dutch rider Tom Villiers at the end of the stage, despite the pair appearing to touch elbows. The sprinter's been cleared of any wrongdoing in the crash, and a testy Cavendish protested his innocence to reporters after the race. I touch with him, but the road's bearing left. I know you're trying to get all the, on Mark Cavendish, a really bad sprinter again. The road's bearing and left 150 meters ago the road bears left them either i go i follow the road or i hit the barriers and finally in football mark schwarzer says it was an easy decision to join chelsea after speaking to manager jose Mourinho. the former fulham goalkeeper signed a one-year deal at stamford bridge and that's your latest news and sports i'll be back with more at seven o'clock Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Post offices and films coming up shortly. Are you a fan of the, the, the Royal Mail and the post office? I've got to be honest, my postman, where, where we've moved recently, he's brilliant. Oh, he's brilliant. If he sees me walking down the street, he'll uh, it, pull over. All right, mate, I've got some uh, post for you. Do you want it now or... Yeah, go on then. If we've got parcels, I won't give away too much, but he, he has a secret hiding place and he'll slip a note through the door saying, I've hidden it in the secret hiding place. Love it. What do you think about Royal Mail? Are you a fan? Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. And here's a question. The front page of The Sun. Elton, I nearly died. 
Appendix Forces Star to Axe Tour. If you were going to the big concert at Hyde Park, I think, is it this Friday it was supposed to be him? Ray Davis, Elvis Costello. He was headlining, El- Elton John. He's pulled out. Oh. And they've made the concert free. In your face. In your face, people who paid. It's going to be free. But the pen- Sir Elton John yesterday revealed he's been struck down by an agonising bout of appendicitis that could have killed him. The 66-year-old legend had to scrap his European tour, including a gig at London's Hyde Park, after stomach pain forced him off stage on Friday. Scans showed a potentially fatal appendix ab- Is appendicitis that bad? I've never had it. It's just a little bit of stomachache, isn't it? You can't die from appendicitis, can you? Can you? I don't think so. If you've had it, I don't want to... Listen, I don't want to go in the gory details. I do, actually. I want the gory details. Have you had it? Is it that bad? Is Elton John being a bit of a wimp? As is his want. 08459 455 555. It can't be that bad that you have to cancel a concert at Hyde Park, can it? Surely you could... Surely you could work through it. Couldn't you? Just take a few Nurofen. Get on with it. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I wonder what this song's about. If only Carol Decker would tell us, but she just keeps it so secretive, doesn't she? It was a theme she had on a scheme he had, told in a foreign land. To take life on earth to the second birth, and the man was in command. Yeah. 
Apparently it's about the fragility of... Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Elton John pulled out of Hyde Park because of his appendix. Front page of the sun, Elton, I nearly died. It's just a stomachache, man. For goodness sakes. Dave's in Luton. Is Elton John being a wimp, David? He's not, mate. What, sorry? He's not. You don't know what, You don't want to have it. I don't, well, I don't want to have anything, but I'm, who knows? No, especially appendix. You just say an appendix there. It just seems it's a little sore throat or something. Well, it's in your stomach. It's the most dangerous thing you can have on your in your body. R- r- what? Tell me more, I Dave. What's your I story? I nearly died at the age of 12 because the doctor said I'd been eating crab apples with stomach pains. Two days later, I was at the Luton Hot, uh, Children's Annex yeah. fighting for my life because it all burst inside me. Oh! Oh! For, for peritonitis. Yeah, 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 I don't know what that is, but it's a word. So, do, do, what, do they, they go in and rip your appendix out? Yeah, because it bur- on the end of the appendix, if it bursts, it goes all into your body, and it's called peritonitis. Appendix but- is such a nice word, isn't it? It's, it's the thing you get at the back of a book. Yeah, but it's not a pe- not peritonitis. It's, no. And I lay dangerously over a month, and that, and that to drain it all out of you. Oh, my God. And that is a very, very serious problem. Would you... Appendix. OK, well, Dave, listen, I guess this is, this is the question on everyone's lips. Would you, at the age of 12, been able, with, with that uh, appendix problem, been able to perform... Um, Crocodile Rock at Hyde Park. I'm, I'm, you were saying about taking what, what tablet? Yeah, take I a couple took, of Nurofen. No, I took tablets and tablets, and the pain was horrific. How are you standing up? I don't know because the pain was so horrific. Yeah, you just pound over. You can't. He can't sing. Yeah, he well, that, let's not get personal, Dave. Let's let's just stick to the medical issue. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying that Elton John would not still be standing? He shouldn't be. No. Well, again, let's not get personal, Dave. No. 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 Oh, okay. it, it is. It's a very. It's a very serious thing. It's not rectified. Here's the thing. I remember a, a, a child at school with the wonderful name of Orlando Kelly. What a great name! And he had his appendix uh, taken out at the age of ten. Yeah. And I remember Dave in the way that kids are want. I remember being very, very jealous of Orlando Kelly having his appendix taken out. In fact, appendix, they might as well take it out from the birth. It's like your tonsils, they're no good. And this is what the uh, medical people are saying. Then why have we got it then? Well, it it goes from when you, uh, from an ape. From the years and years ago, same as your tonsils, they're not worth it in your body, nor is your appendix and other things in your body are not worth it to be there. And they're saying about when you're a baby to take them out, yeah. save the National Health Service money. That's the best That's on. the best thing. Let, let's cut open babies and take their tonsils and appendix out. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, because they're, they're, not, they're nothing inside your body. Dave, the, thank you. The campaign starts here on BBC Three Counties Radio. I want all newborn babies to have their appendix and tonsils ripped out of them at birth, thereby saving... The uh, National Health Service, a lot of money. 08459 455 555. How could you disagree? Hey, there's a new film uh, coming out called The World's End. Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, who I'm big fans of. Uh, it was filmed in Letchworth. It premieres in London tonight. 
Simon Pegg's film features many places, including the Colonnade Pub. Well, our reporter, Gareth Lloyd, met Paul Ward, who runs it, and asked why he thought his pub was chosen as one of the locations. I'm imagining they're looking to try and go for the more traditional style rather than the modern flashing lights, shiny things. And uh, obviously that's what we very much go for here, is the traditional old-fashioned feel of place. The idea is they're supposed to be a group of friends reuniting after 20 years apart, doing an epic pub call that they used to do back in their younger days, and then reconvening at the pub that they called The World's End, the fabled last pub of the trek. And then all it says at the end is it's the least of their worries. Do you know how they chose this pub? Were they were they walking around one day? And uh... Uh, As I understand it, they were, they were deliberately going for the, the more old-fashioned towns. Uh, I'm not sure if they were scouting for external locations to start with and they just decided to pop into the pubs whilst they're here but um, I know they went into the other pubs in town and popped in and uh, obviously has fitted more with what they wanted for the for the films. Well I'm joined now by Tom Brindley who's portfolio holder for planning and enterprise at North Hearts District Council. Good morning Tom. Good morning Ian. What what impact will this have on the people of uh, Letchworth do you think? Well it's, it's great for Letchworth and uh, it it, it brought a real buzz to uh, to the town when it was filmed there, and I think that most of the outside scenes and things were filmed in Letchworth, which became Newton Haven for the filming. Uh, and there are some great pubs in Letchworth. It's pretty there aren't as many pubs as there are in the film, unfortunately. Uh. Um, Letchworth doesn't have the 12 pubs that are there, but what it has done is great. Um, it, it, was, it really was uh, good to see the... Uh, production team were, were great they spent lots of money in the local economy and boosted it and um, it, it, it really shows let your thoughts in a rather interesting light do you think that it might attract because i know that the that simon pegg's films have a, a big cult following uh, and uh, people get very obsessed with them do you think it might attract people to letchworth to come and investigate we certainly hope so and we welcome them um, they will have great fun, of course, finding the locations because um, because Letchworth doesn't have the 12 pubs, they had to redress some other buildings. So oh. uh, when you look at a bank and you look at a pub in the film and you think, that's the same place. Hang on a fun. second. Film's lying to people. This will never do, Tom. Oh, of course not. Of course not. But we you know, you all like to use our imagination a little bit. Did, did, you, uh, did you get to meet Simon Pegg or, or Nick Frost I or any of the team? I did meet Simon or Nick there. Um, I saw the filming going on. Um, of course, kept well back, um, but uh, they they made great uh, uh, time there, and and they spent a lot of time in in the area there, and uh, uh, did a, a rather good session, I think, at the local cinema where um, uh, Simon and Nick did come along and answer questions from locals. So they they, they, they really engaged with the it. film premieres in London tonight. Have you been invited to the premiere, Tom? I have not been invited <sighs> to the premiere. I can't even get on to the general release in Letchworth on the 19th of July, completely sold out, oh. now putting on a second screening. All 500 tickets went straight away. Wow, fantastic. Well, that's great news. Tom, listen, thank you very much indeed. Tom Brindley, portfolio holder for planning and enterprise at North Hearts District Council. I've seen Simon Pegg's bare buttocks uh, about, about two foot away from my face. I know, it's true. We used to use the same gym. And I, I, uh, I have the ability to say hello to him as I worked with him years and years ago. Picture the scene. I was hosting a show. My co-host was Holly Willoughby, and one of my minions was Simon Pegg. Another one was Jordan. I know that wasn't quite so exciting. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the northbound M40, there are still three lanes closed while an accident is recovered. It was two lorries involved between the M25's at Junction 1A of the motorway there and Beaconsfield at Junction 2. It happened about half two this morning and it's lanes 1, 2 and 3 that are still shut while they continue with the recovery work. Traffic just about getting past in lane 4, but very slowly. Wendover Road at Butler's Cross.
Cross is currently blocked by a fallen tree. This is between Ellsborough Road and Pound Street. And traffic building on the M25. It's heavy already going into the roadworks section past Enfield. Slow again from the M1 at Junction 21 round to Kings Langley at Junction 20. And from Maple Cross down to the M40 Junction 17 to 16. On the trains, no reported problems. On the tubes, everything running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. 6.45. It's Wednesday the 10th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A court has heard how the boyfriend of 19-year-old Amelia Arnold, whose body was found in Hatfield in November, told his uncle he'd murdered her. Jack Wall has admitted manslaughter. A Leighton buzzard man's due before magistrates later in connection with a recent spate of gun crime in Luton. In sport, England face Australia in the first Ashes test at Trent Bridge this morning with Captain Alastair Cook playing down talk of his side being overwhelming favourites. Coming up, Royal Mail could be privatised. What do you think could be done to improve the Royal Mail? You satisfied with the service or is it, has it gone down the pan a little bit in the last few years? 08459 455 555. But before that, let's get the weather. Here's Wendy Hurrell. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, good morning. Well, we have a pretty decent day out there at the moment. Absolutely beautiful conditions. Temperatures of 12 degrees at Luton at the moment. And as we go through the day, we are going to hang along, hang on to a lot of sunshine. However, we will see a little bit more cloud in the sky thanks to a cold front coming through. That's not really going to bring us any rain, barely bringing us any cloud really, but it will introduce a little bit more of it as we go through the afternoon. So uh, temperatures will probably peak in the middle part of the day. I think there's a good chance that we'll be sort of the mid-20s before that cloud arrives and then it will sort of level off throughout the rest of the afternoon and towards the evening. Overnight tonight we actually get quite a lot of sea mist and low cloud rolling in, in as far as uh, our part of the world actually. So we'll start the day tomorrow on a little bit of a grey note and temperatures will be down to 11 or 12 degrees Celsius. But come the sort of middle part of the day, most of that cloud will have burnt away back again and we'll have some lovely sunshine into the afternoon. A little bit fresher tomorrow, I think the absolute top temperature, 25 degrees Celsius, so uh, very comfortable and then for Friday it starts to warm up again there will be another cloudy start but as we go through Saturday well hot dry and sunny and we could be approaching 30 degrees in temperature once again the closer you get towards London thank you very much if you've got a problem with a company a council or an organization there's one man you should come and speak to you've got a problem with a mattress i gather tell me all about it without naming any company name jonathan vernon smith well every time she tried to book the trip was cancelled because of adverse weather the jvs show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems just send the receipt off and you'll get the check in the post if you need our help i went to speak to the man that runs this golf club email jvs show at bbc.co.uk I'm just very pleased that you've got the money and we could do the same for you Thanks ever so much Jonathan The JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio Quick question uh, we'll be talking about this more after nine o'clock but uh, are you bothered by breastfeeding in public? It always strikes me as odd that some people are offended by it I never quite get it surely breastfeeding is one of the most natural things in the world i'm not breastfeeding fascist by the way it's not for everyone don't work for everyone i'm not averse to i'm not averse don't finish typing that on the screen i'm not averse i've just been told something else that's quite natural and you wouldn't want to do that in public but i'm not averse to people using the bottle bit of formula if you want but 
A rail company has been forced to apologise after a train conductor humiliated a breastfeeding mum by asking her to feed her four-month-old in the train toilet. Now, train toilets are particularly grim places. You go and eat your lunch in a train toilet. Go on, you go and have your packed lunch in a train toilet. Chantelle Nichols was feeding her young daughter Morgan when the uh, guard approached her and suggested she moved into the toilet. Oh, 08459 455 555. Uh, straw poll this morning. Are you bothered by breastfeeding in public? You make me feel so young. You make me feel so spring has sprung. And every time I see you grin, I'm such a happy individual. The moment that you speak I want to go play hide and seek I want to go and bounce the moon Just like a toy balloon You and I Are just like a couple of tots Running across a meadow Picking up lots of forget-me-nots make me feel so young You make me feel there are songs to be sung Bells to be rung And a wonderful fling to be flung And even when I'm old and gray I'm gonna feel the way I do today Cause you make me feel so young make me feel so young You make me feel so spring has sprung And every time I see you grin I'm such a happy individual The moment that you speak I want to go and play hide and seek I want to go and bounce the moon Just like a toy balloon You and I are just like a couple of tots Running across a meadow Picking up lots of forget-me-nots You make me feel so young You make me feel there are songs to be sung Bells to be rung Wonderful fling to be I'm old and gray I'm gonna feel the way I do Today Cause you You make me feel So young Kelly Betts, the uh, young member of our team Just said to me Why why haven't we got no one like this no more? And I said we have We have two Michael Bublé and Robbie Williams Two classic crooners in the classic style now, this morning, I'm asking you whether you think privatising uh, the Royal Mail is a good idea. Later today, it's expected that the business minister will announce its privatisation. The Communication Workers' Union says the sale will be bad for the postal service and for the working conditions for the company's 150,000 employees. In a moment, we'll hear it from the union. But first, our reporter, Barry Caffrey, got the reaction from people in Luton about whether they thought privatising the Royal Mail was a good idea. Personally, I'm in favour of nationalised industries not privatised 
it's it's an institution and I wouldn't see any benefit from it being privatised other than job losses perhaps and prices going up. I would say it wouldn't be a good idea because there's been so many organisations that have been privatised and I think we should keep Britain uh, as industrious as possible. Do you think it's an institution for Britain, the Royal Mail? It's, yeah, I think it's actually almost like the NHS. It's, it's something that's recognisable as uh, Britain really and I think it's a really good service. Personally I think that privatisation of anything is uh, not very good. What happens is it makes the people, rich people more rich and the poor people poorer. Well Paul Moffat is the Eastern Regional Secretary of the Communication Workers Union joins me now. Morning Paul. Morning. If it is announced later that the Royal Mail is to be privatised what will you do? Well for us I mean uh, it's, there's, there's a couple of big issues. I mean you've just heard what the public have said in Luton. I mean the service as far as we're concerned, if it's privatised, would be severely put at risk um, by a privatised Royal Mail. Um, there'd be no assurances that it will operate in the way it, in the way it does, delivering to the public and delivering a universal service. And obviously, private companies would be allowed to cherry pick services, and for in the east and across other parts of the rural uh, UK, uh, we'd be left isolated. Um, as with other examples of privatisation with East Coast trains and the bus services. What we've said to Michael Fallon is we've urged him to think again on privatisation of Royal Mail and consider a new approach to secure the future of the company. Well, what new approach is there? Cause it's, it's, it's not making much money, it's losing money, it's it's kind of dying on its backside. What what suggestions would you have? Well, it's not actually. It's actually turned a profit, and this is this is the ironic thing about it. I mean, we, we personally believe that the... Um, the Conservative government is more of an ideology than a, than a business proposition. It, it does make money and it can make money. We're not talking about uh, an ongoing letters industry. There's, there is this big business out there with with packets and parcels and other, other IT growth and other, other media growth. Um, uh, and th- so there's lots of different ways that we can modernise the business. And we've worked with the Royal Mail for some time to modernise the business. But despite this, the government is still ploughing ahead uh, with a privatisation. So we urge them to consider different ways for the company to access other capital, whereas Royal Mail is now still got its hands tied behind its back to reinvest in itself and look at other capital because of the regulator. Uh, we're looking at more innovative business structures that would align the interests of the company to the customers and the workforce. It's quite an old-fashioned concept, isn't it? There are so many different ways to, to send packages and parcels. I had to send off a, a couple of hundred CDs the other day, and the cheapest way for me to... I know, the cheapest way for me to do it was to box them up, take them to my local Nissa supermarket, uh, and they send them for about four quid a box. Well, this, this is... The, I mean, this is the way it sits now, because of, because of Ofcom and the way it's regulated. I mean, what you've got to understand is with competitors, there is no regulation, whereas now Royal Mail and its employees are regulating how they deliver the mail um, with the universal service. Now, what we're saying is that those regulations need to be on a level playing field. Royal Mail now needs to be allowed to perform... In, in the in the market, along with its competitors, to make to make to make it competitive. So the work is there, uh, the actual opportunities are there, but they're just not being allowed because of this this drive to privatise it uh, to compete properly. But w- wouldn't privatisation be more efficient and more cost effective? No, not not really. I mean, we've, as as, as I said earlier, you know, we we've, 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 we can modernise the business. We've, we, we, there are alternative ways of working. It, can, it is cost effective now. I mean, to, to be perfectly fair, who, who is going to deliver to the rurals? Who is going to deliver to some of the outlying towns within the eastern region alone? The, the competitor won't, or they will at a price, or they'll bring in a zonal pricing, which is going to increase the charge for everything across the piece. 
Paul, thank you very much indeed. That's Paul Muffet. He's the uh, Eastern Regional Secretary of the Communication Workers' Union. Uh, we did uh, ask Royal Mail for comment. They told us they would not be providing any interviews until after the announcement is made. What do you think? Privatise it? I think uh, it's a tough one. The Royal Mail has some excellent things. It also has some really bad things. I remember a, a, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, four years ago, sending about 300 quid's worth of computer games with super, super safe delivery. The one where you get the grey sticker, the one where it's guaranteed delivery before one o'clock the next day. Well, someone at Royal Mail had it. Someone had it all. They nicked the games. I was, I was stuffed. And it took me six weeks to get my money back because the Royal Mail refused to pay up until I pulled the... Well, I work on a radio station. I will uh, come and have words with you about this. What do you think? But my postie is brilliant at the moment. 08459 455 555 after nine o'clock. Uh, we'll, we'll speak to Helen after, after uh, seven, I think, because we, we're kind of running out of time a little bit. And it'd be nice. I want to have a proper chat with Helen. So, Helen, if you can just hold fire a bit, Helen and Milton Keynes, about breastfeeding after a woman on a train was told to uh, breastfeed her baby. Oh, yeah, could, no, don't do that on the train. Could you go and do it in the toilet? Well, hang on a second. You go and have your lunch in a, a train toilet. They're filthy. If you want to have your say on this, 08459 455 555. Keen to talk to the two, two sides here. If you're a mum who's been told to breastfeed your child elsewhere, but also, if you are someone who thinks, oh, no, please... No, that's for pri- that's private. I don't want to see that. Do give us a call. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Northbound M40, it's now just one lane closed after the accident earlier this morning with two lorries involved between the M25 and Beaconsfield, Junction 1A and 2. However, there's still about two miles of queuing traffic while the recovery work continues and it's taking around 15 minutes to get through. Wendover Road in Butler's Cross blocked both ways by a fallen tree between Ellsborough Road and Pound Street. If you're joining the M25, anti-clockwise is looking particularly slow with heavy traffic into the roadwork section past Enfield. Then it's busy from the M1 round toward Kings Langley and slow from Maple Cross down to the M40. We've also got a fair bit of traffic on the A1 through Boreham Wood. It is slow moving from Stirling Corner down towards Mill Hill Circus on the cameras around there. Train departure boards, though, are not showing any problems this morning, and if you're heading into London, the tubes are all running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Breastfeeding, Royal Mail and films all coming up. And also the incredible story about a Milton Keynes bus ride. Well, it ended up with a pensioner breaking both her ankles. We'll find out more after the news with Catherine. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock. The headline, Stevenage man denies murder, disabled woman abused in Bedford and concern over the proposed closure of St Albans probation. BBC Three Counties Radio. A court heard how the boyfriend of 19-year-old Amelia Arnold, whose body was found in Hatfield in November, told his uncle he'd murdered her. 22-year-old Jack Wall from Hadrian's Walk in Stevenage denies murder but admits manslaughter, as Tony Fisher reports. 
Nineteen-year-old Amelia Arnold was killed at the property in Hadrian's Walk with what the prosecution say was probably a dumbbell bar. Wall's uncle, Joseph Potter, told the court Wall had said to him, It's not manslaughter, I've murdered her Uncle Joe. The court heard details of how he'd helped his nephew to clear up the body. Forty-two-year-old Potter from Bletchley has pleaded guilty to assisting an offender and is currently in custody. The case continues. A man's due before Luton magistrates later in connection with a recent spate of gun crime in the town. 30-year-old Trevor Mulligan from Oakley Green in Leighton Buzzard is charged with possession of ammunition when being a prohibited person and possession of cannabis. A disabled woman's been verbally abused and robbed on her way home from Bedford Town Centre. Five teenagers followed the 45-year-old mobility scooter user for the entire 40-minute journey to Brickhill last Wednesday. When she arrived home, they ripped the basket containing a handbag from the front of her scooter, damaging the ignition and rendering it unusable. Police say the group were all young black men aged between 13 and 18. They were all wearing hoods. One was riding a bike. The potential closure of the probation services St Albans base could endanger public safety, according to one local councillor. Labour's Jacob Caliozzi will raise the move, proposed in line with government plans to privatise the service, at a meeting of St Albans District Council tonight. He believes putting such work out to tender is a big mistake. If we were talking about trains, that means your train's going to run late. If we were talking about um, private uh, private utility companies, that means your energy bills might go up. When we're talking about probation, that means public safety. uh, That means reoffending rates going up. The government will give details of plans to privatise Royal Mail, with the sell-off taking place within months. The flotation will value the business at about £2.5 billion. People will be able to buy shares on a special internet site or via a stockbroker, but there won't be a big advertising campaign. It's hoped that privatising Royal Mail will help modernise its working practices. An independent review set up in the wake of the Stafford Hospital scandal has criticised the lack of minimum training standards for support staff working in the NHS or social care. The report, commissioned by the government, says... Assistants shouldn't be able to work unsupervised before they're qualified. In sport, it's the first day of the Ashes Test against Australia at Trent Bridge, with England captain Alistair Cook playing down talk of his side being the overwhelming favourite. He's told the BBC it's going to be one hell of a battle. The weather, cloudy and cooler than of late, with a top temperature of 21 degrees Celsius, that's 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash heavy breather. Oh, can you hear the? Can you hear me breathing? A bit, yes. When I do that, yeah, just a bit. Oh, it's all right though, yeah. It's um, uh, unsettling. But that's okay. Is it ever okay? Unsettling. Yes. Oh. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Am I a heavy breather? You don't get um, heavy breathing phone calls anymore, which is a good thing. You also don't get streakers, do you? There's a front-page picture on The Independent of a streaker from 1975, a man jumping over the bales at a cricket match. How's that? Not bad. You don't get streakers anymore. Streakers are a very 70s and 80s British thing. Bits and pieces bouncing around at sports arenas. I miss the streakers. Lots coming up on the show this morning. No streaking. No streaking. Postal workers have started a week-long bus tour today. As it'll, it'll arrive late and a little bit damaged. <laughs> as they head to... It's a joke. As they head towards London to campaign against the privatisation of Royal Mail. Well, do you think you get a good service from Royal Mail? 
A disabled woman has been verbally abused and robbed on her way home from Bedford Town Centre. Is hatred towards disabled people more common than we think? And a woman on a train has been apologised to. She was breastfeeding her baby and the conductor, well, the train guard said, yeah, would you mind um, doing that in the toilet? Do you have a problem with breastfeeding in public? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or give me a phone call. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. A major road in Milton Keynes will be resurfaced after a section of loose road. Now get this. This is an incredible sentence I'm about to read sliced through the bottom of a bus, injuring an elderly passenger. She broke both her ankles. Well, our reporter, Paul Scoynes, has been at the scene. It's another bus going past the bus stops here on Midsummer Boulevard. As you look out from the main shopping building, I can see the point across from me and Midsummer Place to my right, and the bus is passed in both directions uh, on this road where I'm standing. And as you look out to the road, you see these huge concrete blocks crisscrossing the road and uh, are used as well to mark the boundaries of the bus stops. And what I can see from just going and standing on one of them is you can see that they're very loose indeed and they actually move quite a degree when you stand on them. You can also sort of hear the noise as uh, as you do stand on them and there's a number of these slabs which do the same. Um, this one here is is also sort of surrounded by bricks. And every time a bus goes over these slabs, they move, sometimes fairly violently as well, uh, although I haven't seen any come out of their moorings. Although this is what appears to have happened just a week ago, when in this spot a bus went over one of these slabs and it flew up and pierced the actual bottom of the bus. What I understand is that Arriva, who operate most of the buses through here, are actually even contemplating stopping using this route until a uh, a full assessment has been made. The local bus users group have made many appeals, they say, to the council to look at the quality of the road surfacing around here, especially as it's also used as a main pedestrian crossing as well. I can see lots of people walking across the uh, the road using these particular areas and a lot of the areas you can see is very badly damaged brickwork and it looks like a lot of the concrete and cement has come out of that so you've got loose flagstones and loose bricks just being pushed around every time people drive over it. You can certainly see if there was an accident how it could have come about. Paving in Milton Keynes has been a problem for a while. It was, of course, all put in around about the same time, so as a consequence, a lot of it is all falling apart at the same time too. Though the council say they have invested money in repairing the area around the city centre, there's clearly somewhere to be done in these areas. What's our reporter, Paul Scoynes, bouncing uh, on some rock? Chair of the Milton Keynes Bus Users Group, Peter Ballantyne, spoke to me earlier. He explained the extent of the injuries suffered by the passenger. As far as I'm understanding, it was two broken ankles and some damage to the, to the leg of the lady, that, uh, and she was a 60-year-old uh, pensioner. I mean, it came through with such force. Of course! Yes, and we had had conversations in, the, in recent months to say um, that this needed attention. Joined now by Lindsay Frostick from Arriva, who operate the bus involved. Morning, Lindsay. Can you talk me through what happened? 
Um, well, obviously I wasn't there myself, so I just have, we have reports from the driver and obviously the manager of the depot. Yes. And it, I mean, unusual doesn't describe it really. We've never had anything like this before. Um, but it, the bus was just pulling on, it was on Lower Ninth Street as it approaches up to midsummer. Um, and like the reporter described, the, the concrete block or curbstone or whatever part of that area it was, did, um, must have flipped up maybe when the front wheels went over it and it pierced the bottom of the bus. I mean, it, it a most incredible scene and, you know, some very, very concerning pictures. How badly hurt was the passenger on the bus? We, we, we've heard uh, from Peter Ballantyne that she may have broken both her ankles. Um, but, but, but she was actually obviously whisked away from the scene by the ambulance, um, and so we didn't actually get to talk to her directly by the time our kind of managers had turned up to the scene. She had been taken away. Um, it was clear she'd got lacerations to her leg, and we, we suspected it was um, at least one broken leg, but um, again, we, we didn't have any of her details, so unfortunately we've not been able to follow that up as of yet. But obviously that is part of our ongoing investigation. And our so work. hang on, Arriva, Arriva haven't checked up on this woman? We, we don't have any details at all, unfortunately. Well, normally what we would do is obviously take their details and follow it up, but the, she was literally whisked straight away by the ambulance. When, when, did, this hap- when did this happen, uh, Lindsay? The 29th. You've had over a week? Okay. Well, why have you not found her? Why have you not found what hospital's in? And why have you not, at the very least, sent her a bunch of flowers and an apology? When we do know where she is, we we certainly would be doing that. Have you been making efforts to find her? Yes, we have been making efforts to find her. Right. And you've not been able to find her in a week? Me personally, no, I haven't had been able to find well, her. Well, as a spokesman for a spokesperson yeah. for Ariva, as yes. I, as as Ariva, personally. Part of our ongoing investigations, we would, we would get in contact with right. her, as probably the council wants to get in contact with her and everything else. I don't imagine the top of her list is speaking to uh, either company at the moment. I bet she's furious with both of you. Sorry? I bet she's furious with both of you, poor, poor dear. Broken ankles. I imagine she is furious. Yeah. As, I, as I lie in bed with two broken ankles yeah. myself right now, then I imagine she is furious. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, on this occasion... But Reva have been unable in a week to find her and send her a bunch of flowers. No, that's correct, because we don't have her details, as I've just explained. Couldn't just ring around a few hospitals and find just... Uh, it's not that difficult, Lindsay, is all I'm saying. I don't think hospitals give out addresses of patients, and I'd be certainly concerned if they did. No, but you phone up a hospital and say, as a, as a 60-year-old woman come in with two broken ankles from a bus, they'll say yes or no. If they say yes, you send them a bunch of flowers. It's not difficult, is it? No, most hospitals don't allow flowers. I don't know. If box a box of chocolates, Lindsay! Send us I'm something. Sure that's why you got me on here, and I have to say. Well, no, but just public relations, Lindsay. Absolutely. Someone breaks their ankles on your bus, and yes, you should you should make some kind of uh, re- reproach towards them. That's I all I'm t- suggesting. I totally agree with you. Excellent. We just need to keep it in perspective that Arriva wasn't to blame for this incident, so that needs to be no, made no. But it was on an Arriva bus, wasn't it? Absolutely. So, so there's definitely a connection with Arriva. And she has our every sympathy, and we will be getting contact. Excellent. With her. I just said we haven't managed it yet. That isn't saying we're not. Excellent. Right. Have your drivers had concerns about this stretch? a row before? Um, there's been the odd note, and I think in, especially in bad weather and things like that, but, um, I mean, we certainly have a, had an issue where we might have to pull out of it or anything like that. We actually had a meeting yesterday, um, our risk manager, um, a representative from our depot, and somebody from Milton Keynes Council went out to inspect the area, and I was hoping to have that report this morning, but unfortunately it hasn't come through, because obviously it's quite early. Um, and so obviously that will... Uh, hopefully give a follow-up plan for the council to, to, to take some action. Are you confident, Lindsay, that... The areas that, that are still loose, like your reporter suggested. Yeah. Are you confident the council will put it right as soon as possible? 
Oh, I would certainly hope so. I mean, obviously, if there's things that can injure people, that, that's, that, that's something they have to do. Yeah, I mean, we work very closely with the council where we find things which could be potential problems and that they generally respond very well. How did you break your ankles? Um, I was walking the dog up at Warden Hills. Oh dear. Did you, trip, you broke your ankles walking the dog? Well, I fell over in a hole. Oh dear. Oh, yeah, well, listen, get, get well soon. Oh, thank you. Find Amy. that woman, Thanks send her some chocolates. Did you send me some flowers? Uh, well, well no, I, uh, I haven't got oh. your address, Lindsay. I can't find your address. Oh, but you do have my phone number. No, I've, I've lost it, Lindsay. Thank you very much. Lindsay Frostick is a good sport and fiery as always, which is why I like having her on uh, in the morning. It's uh, Lindsay Frostick from Arriva. Uh, Milton Keynes Council have said all oh, a full permanent repair is already planned and will be undertaken shortly. Shortly. We are currently investigating the incident. Our investigation will seek to establish fully what caused the incident. Well, I'll be speaking to the Cabinet Member for Transport and Highways at Milton Keynes Council after eight. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. This kind of story pops up every now and then. A rail company has been forced to apologise after a train conductor humiliated a breastfeeding mum by asking her to feed her four-month-old in the train toilet. Well, are you bothered by breastfeeding in public? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Helen's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Helen. Morning. What, what do you think about what happened? Oh, please. What's the matter with them? Honestly, what's, what's more natural than breastfeeding a baby? Most mums, you can't even tell when it's happening because they're so discreet. And I just think it's, it's so lovely to see, you know, a mum nurturing her child. Uh, you know, who has it complained anyway? Another passenger? Well, I don't know. The, or, or the information we have is that the conductor or, or kind of maybe took offence himself and said, look, come on, let's maybe nip to the toilet and uh, put those away and do it in there. Well, why can't they put all the nose pickers and the ear pickers into the toilets as well? Hey, that, those, are my, those are my people you're knocking there, Helen, for goodness sakes. The thing oh, is, though, some people, some people are offended by it, aren't they? And, and shouldn't we listen to those people? Shouldn't we respect their views? You know, the old words, get a life, please. There are worse things that happen than, than somebody breastfeeding their baby in public. And as I say, how can you tell, unless you're sort of like really zooming in, are they operating breastfeeding patrols on the train? Well, it's not, oh. it's not a bad <laughs> idea. The, the, so are there any places where it's inappropriate to breastfeed a baby? Well, no, I can't think so. I mean, what about you're in, a, you're in a swanky restaurant, Helen? You're in the Ivy in London. Yeah. You're there. You're, George Michael's on the table over there. Al Pacino's on the table over there. The head of Channel 4 sat there. Is it appropriate to, to get him out and feed the little one there? Yes, because have you seen some of these people's table manners, you know? Talking with their mouth full and all that sort of well, thing. You go back, <laughs> just speaking of talking with their mouth full. Helen, thank you very much indeed. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. It's a tough one to argue against, isn't it? Although, although there are some places where it's perhaps inappropriate. Posh restaurant. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily be taking a baby into a posh restaurant, but there. If you've been breastfeeding in public and told to move on, could you give us a call? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five, and also if it offends you, keen to speak to you this morning. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking very slow on the M40 northbound. There's one lane closed off while the recovery work continues after an accident early this morning with two lorries involved between Junction 1A at the M25 and Junction 2 at Beaconsfield. It's the inside lane of the northbound M40 that's still shut. Lanes 1, 2 and 3 were closed earlier. Now it's just lane 1 that's closed. But the delays past there, it's looking like it's taking around half an hour to get through the 
traffic. Through Butler's Cross, Wendover Road remains blocked both ways by a fallen tree between Missenden Road and Pound Street. On the A5, it's looking a bit slow as you come past Lynch Hill, the B4540. M25 anti-clockwise, it's stop-start into and through the roadworks past Enfield. It's then pretty stop-start from the M1 right the way round to the M40 and delays into London through Boreham Wood on the A1 southbound from Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. Trains, though, and the tubes into and out of London running fine. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 7.17. It's Wednesday the 10th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The uncle of the man accused of killing 19-year-old Amelia Arnold in Stevenage has told the court his nephew confessed to the murder. Jack Wall denies that charge but has admitted to manslaughter. A Leighton Buzzard man will appear before magistrates later in connection with a recent spate of gun crime in Luton. In sport, England's cricketers face Australia in the first test at Trent Bridge this morning. Coming up, St Albans could lose its probation office. We'll talk more about that next. BBC Three Counties Radio. BBC Three Counties Radio, your local stories. I have a friend who runs a hairdresser's and one of her members of staff is stealing the takings. So what would the advice from the police be? We'll find out, Sally. Your local life. Yesterday we were talking about the problem of shoplifting. So what can you do if you have staff who, um, to put it adequately, are a bit light-fingered? Your local radio station. The one thing which seems to actually solve the problem for them, they all said, was I put in CCTV cameras. This is is BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, fears that St Albans could lose its probation offices under government plans to privatise the service are due to be voiced in the city this evening. Much of the workload could be put out to tender if the proposed changes eventually become law. Earlier we heard from Labour councillor Jacob Calioxi, who's raising the issue at a meeting of St Albans District Council tonight. He's very concerned about what's being proposed. I think I can't find better words to describe this uh, these proposals than out of a government's own risk assessment that says that there is a 50 to 80% chance that um, the quality of service will decline um, and that there will be reputational damage um, to, the, to the probation service and the Ministry of Justice. Now, if we were talking about trains, that means your train's going to run late. If we were talking about um, private, util- uh, private utility companies, that means your energy bills might go up. When we're talking about probation... That means public safety. Uh, that means reoffending rates going up. Well, joined now by Gordon Jackson, uh, Jackson, a probation officer from St Albans, also a branch officer for the National Association of Probation Officers, and Councillor Anthony Rowlands is the Liberal Democrat group leader on St Albans District Council. Good morning to both of you. Good morning, Ian. Gordon. We'll start with you. What are your concerns over what the government is planning to do? Well, I think the first concern is that probation is being excluded from competing in this plan privatisation. So the current probation service, which is, you could say, the experts in the field have been excluded from government from competing in the process. Will there be job losses, do you think? Well, I think with any privatisation, whether it happens in public sector or with a subcontract and within somewhere like Sainsbury's, there's always a drive to cut down costs. And, and with that, you would anticipate that there would certainly be a reduction in wages, if not job losses. Explain what happens at the St Albans Probationary Offices. Well, first of all, I have to say, I don't actually work in the St Albans office. I'm a branch officer for NAPO that covers the St Albans area. So what, what you typically have is around 600 or so clients who have been given 
either an order by a court, a criminal court, or are released on license from uh, from prison. So you've got about in Hertfordshire, there's something like three thousand people at any one time being supervised by uh, the probation service in the St Albans office, which is only one of four offices serving the county, which isn't many in itself. We'll be serving about a quarter of those. You've been out, uh, uh, Gordon, gathering support from local residents. Is there much support in the community? Well, there's a number of things that we've been doing as NAPO, uh, the Association for Probation Staff. Locally in St Albans, we've been gathering a petition for the local council, which is what, uh, well, Jacob and the Labour Group have tabled a motion, which has come about through our campaigning on the streets. But separate to that, we've been doing a petition to the council. Um, There's also been an e-petition, and there's also been a paper petition um, to the House of Commons, and and main MP for St Albans will be receiving that petition tomorrow at Westminster. Gordon, you mentioned there might be job losses or there might be uh, wage cuts, but how will it affect the community? Do do you think that this will um, uh, reduce the number of re-offenders or or increase it? Well, I think the first thing to say is we don't actually know what the government's plan is. So I can tell you, and I don't think the Minister of Justice, Chris Grilling, could actually tell you whether there's actually going to be an office in St Albans if these plans go ahead. Uh, Councillor Anthony Rowlands, Liberal Democrat uh, Group Leader, St Albans District Council. Are you worried about the future of the probationary offices in St Albans? I am concerned that there is a good system in place for uh, offenders when they are being released from jail. And I don't think anybody would pretend, and I've I've seen comments from your Labour councillor who spoke earlier saying that he thought the system needed to be improved. There are better ways of, of providing the service that have been provided in the past, and there are organisations, both in the, in the voluntary sector, the community sector, and the private sector, that, that uh, I think could achieve more. Um, and it, it, it's odd, this. I mean, the, the, there's, a, there's a bit of an irony attached to the campaign, and I, I pay tribute to the work that, that Gordon does, and to, of course, Gordon's members do outstanding work, but... Is the service as effective as it should be when we've got stubbornly high reoffending rates? And remember, the bill, let's, let's remember, this is a bill called the Offender Rehabilitation Bill. Reoffending rates are too high. We've got to look for other ways. And it, ironically, of course, a lot of the, the measures that are in this bill come out of the Offender Management Act of 2007, which was introduced by a Labour government. So are you... Are you... To, to prov- are you confident, Anthony? Ways, are you other, other service providers who might play a part? Anthony, are you confident then that this bill would reduce reoffending? What I'm confident of, having read through, having been, uh, heard about the campaign and then looked at the, at the motion and looked into the issue, what I'm confident about is that the bill that's going through is actually tackling head-on the issue of how you help and support people who have been in prison for less than 12 months which have the highest reoffending rates, and therefore are, in many cases, people who are going to cause um, offence and damage to members of the public, they have the highest reoffending rate. Until now, precious little, if nothing, has been done to support them. They got 47 quid when they went through the gate. And but then why not get the existing, really the existing probation teams, Anthony, yeah, who have the training to, to implement that instead of tendering it out to private companies? Well, that, 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 that's, that, that is... Um, that the council of always doing the same thing the same way. Given that, that the have, we've had this higher reoffending rate, 
surely it's sensible, the Labour government seemed to think it was sensible in 2007, to start looking at other ways of opening up the delivery service. And what the, what the, the bill, for example, includes is actually the first time ever a resettlement support programme for people who have been in prison for less than 12 months, so they get help with training, housing, addiction. Surely that's sensible, bearing in mind the way that, you know, that people... Well, let's, let's ask Gordon. Gordon, the re-offending rates, re-offending rates are too high and these changes are sensible. Well, Councillor Rowlands has, has mentioned, which is probably the, the only one of the good aspects of this bill, and that is that people that uh, serve less than 12 months will get some sort of supervision. But I don't think anybody can lay the, the responsibility of that not ha- happening up until now at the probation store. That's to do with government, that's to do with legislators, and we as a society haven't said that we've wanted that. So I don't think probation can be held responsible for it not happening, given that there's no legislation. Regarding offending rates and reoffending rates, I mean, it, this is, is kind of the issue that's always going on about what reduces offending uh, and how to get people um, on the straight and narrow. Um, I think what I see is that every person brings a story about what brought them to crime. Now, some people may be career criminals that really want to profit from crime. Most people fall into crime through not being able to solve some sort of life issue, relationship issue. And what's being missed here is that people think that simply by giving somebody a house or simply by giving someone a a drug uh, rehabilitation treatment plan will solve the problem. The, the issues of why people offend are not just to do with alcohol, although those, those can be associated problems. And this is what's being missed because the probation service is a service that's the last 106 years, and actually Hertfordshire has a link in this because it was a printer in Hartford, Frederick Rayner, who sent the, the, the initial money to start the probation service in 1876. So this is a service that's been going for 106 well, years. Because it's, just because it's been going for a long time, Gordon, doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's any good. Yes, but if, so if we look at reoffending rates, you're, they're never going to be they're never going to be what we want. Um, currently, it's about fifty five percent of people that go uh, that come out of prison reoffend uh, within two years. For people on probation, it's used, it's around about the fifty percent mark. Now, those rates in, in my time uh, over the past twenty years, um, those rates fluctuate here and there. But the idea that and. Another well, this bill did originate in two thousand and seven. But, but if, if these if these if, if these changes, Gordon, mm. can reduce that offend, reoffending rate, that's got to be a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, but what evidence do we have that they are? Well, we ha- we don't even know what the plan is in this. And at the moment, if it was such a good idea, why is the government saying that the probation service will retain thirty percent of the work? And what work is that in? That work is the high risk of harm work, because they, they're not confident that if they give that to the private companies, that if something goes wrong, that they will be able to justify what... OK, well, let's, let's, let's uh, put that to Anthony. Anthony, we, we don't know, yeah. not enough of it has been revealed to... to uh, it's shrouded in mystery, perhaps. And, and the House of Lords. Thank you. Uh, right, right, let's, let's put that to well, Anthony. It, 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 it's, it's in the House of Lords, because that's where the bill started. That happens under all governments, and that's why it, it commenced there. And I think I sort of made the point about the, and, and Gordon has acknowledged that, that, that actually the core of the, the, this legislation is finding ways to support people. It's not just about alcohol, I can say that. It's, it's about training, housing, addiction management. And surely, I mean, but think of the consequences to the general public of 55% of reoffending rate. It's absolutely essential. Well, do you know enough, Anthony, do you know enough about this proposed bill to, to, to actually say I, confidently, I to say confidently that the reoffending rates will reduce? No, I can, I, well, I can 
says these are the current reoffending rates. That is not something we should be satisfied. It's a bit of a punt, isn't it? Because it could they could get worse. They could increase. Well, nobody can foresee the future. Of course they can't. But you, you have to take a sensible, rational view as to what is presently happening. And it doesn't strike me that the general public will be satisfied with the current state so, of So this bill is a bit of a punt, isn't it? It's, it's, it's not a punt. I think the punt, I'm afraid, is that, you know, I fully understand why Gordon um, is, is, is campaigning and, and defending the interests of, of, of his members. But we have... Hook, line and sinker, the Labour group, the small Labour group, say, right, we sign up to this union um, campaign. It needs a bit more thought, not just uh, um, anti-Diluvian reaction. Uh, Anthony Rowlands, uh, councillor, uh, Liberal Democrat group leader in St Albans District Council. Thank you very much. And the other voice you heard was Gordon Jackson, a probation officer from St Albans. 08459 Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. You'll still find a lane closed on the northbound M40 for recovery work after an accident in the early hours with two lorries involved. It's lane one, the inside lane that's closed off between the M25 and the A355 at Beaconsfield. It's only looking like delays of around 10 or 15 minutes through there now. Traffic moving a little bit better. Wendover Road at Butler's Cross. That is blocked by a fallen tree between Ellsborough Road and Pound Street. Slow on the M1 southbound from the Luton Airport Spur at Junction 10 toward Redbourne for the A5 at Junction 9. If you're using the A5, that is quite slow in Dunstable at the moment from Church Street toward Luton Road, the B4540. Got the roadworks, of course, in Dunstable as well on Pointers Road. That's closed off for major reconstruction works, shut between the A505 and the Woodside Industrial Estate, with the diversion down the A505, Boscombe Road and Ports Avenue. M25 looking slow into the roadworks past Enfield anti-clockwise, also slow anti-clockwise from the M1 round to the M40, and the A1 busy in toward London through Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner down to Mill Hill Circus. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Quick text from uh, Helen on probation services. Uh, probation service will be another profit before people exercise. No service is perfect, but if private companies have to cut what is provided to prevent reoffending and ensure that those with compact ne- complex needs get the help they need to help them, this will not happen. Another US-inspired idea, shortly to be followed by the introduction of Dog the Bounty Hunter. Oh, that doesn't sound bad, does it? 7.30, here's someone who's got a hairstyle almost as good as Dog the Bounty Hunters. It's Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. The uncle of the man accused of killing 19-year-old Amelia Arnold in Stevenage has told the court his nephew confessed to the murder. Jack Wall denies that charge but has admitted to manslaughter. A late and buzzard man will appear before magistrates later in connection with a recent spate of gun crime in Luton. And police in Bedford are looking for a group of teenagers who verbally abused and robbed a disabled woman on a mobility scooter. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. England face Australia in the first Ashes test at Trent Bridge this morning. England captain Alistair Cook has played down talk of his side being overwhelming favourites. And former fast bowler Steve Harmison is also warning the Aussies won't be a pushover. They're not. Is he undercooked? Is he undercooked? Is, has he bowled enough? They've all been here a hell of a long time, but they've all enjoyed success at some point in the last sort of six or seven weeks to think, right, we're ready to take England on.
Mark Cavendish will look to put a dramatic day at the Tour de France behind him when the 11th stage gets underway later today. Marcel Cattell claimed victory yesterday, but Cavendish was in the spotlight after being forced to deny he was responsible for colliding with Dutch rider Tom Feelers at the end of the stage, despite the pair appearing to touch elbows. The sprinter has been cleared of any wrongdoing. Better news for Britain's Chris Froome, though. He came through the accident unscathed and remains the overall race leader. Today was a great day for us, just uh, staying out of trouble again, staying at the front. But I'm really looking forward to tomorrow so that was one of the objectives today was just try and save the legs as much as possible and stay out of the wind and looking at tomorrow's time trial that's potentially a, a really big important day for the general classification. In football Mark Schwarzer says it was an easy decision to join Chelsea after speaking to manager Jose Mourinho the former Fulham keeper has signed a one-year deal at Stamford Bridge and motorsports governing bodies announced a ban on media and other non-essential personnel in the Formula One pit lane after a cameraman was struck by a loose wheel during Sunday's German Grand Prix. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at 8 o'clock. There was a story, wasn't there, the other day uh, about kids learning, uh, they need to learn their times tables, and oh. there was also mentioned they need to learn poetry. Yes. They don't know poetry. I'm going to do um, half of a famous poem, and I want to see if you can finish it. Okay? Oh, go on then. Okay? And I, I know you're cultured, so you should get this. My dad paid me to learn poetry, that's why I'm cultured. <laughs> he did what? He gave me a fiver for learning Tiger Tiger Burning Bright in the Forest of the Night. A fiver? Uh-huh. Okay, so well you, worth it. See if you know this one. There's Tuppence riding on this. Keep out of the black and in the red. Failing that, just stay in bed. Oh, you, nothing in this game for two in a bed. It's the bullseye poem. Don't you know nothing? Apparently not. Mm. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Should have done it in the voice. Keep out of the black and in the red. Nothing in this game for two in a bed. It's a bullseye poem. Everyone knows the bullseye poem. I thought um, Catherine would, as she's dead common. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. Breastfeeding and the post office. Uh, you can give us a call on all of those things and indeed more. The reason we're talking about breastfeeding is a story <coughs> Excuse me, that pops up every now and then. Someone complains about someone breastfeeding in public. This time it's Chantelle Nichols, who was feeding her young daughter, Morgan... <coughs> Katie Hopkins wouldn't like that name, I suspect. Uh, on a train, and the uh, train conductor humiliated her by asking her to feed the four-month-old in the train toilet. In, uh, well, are you bothered by breastfeeding in public? If you does it disgust you? It it does disgust a lot of people. I'm I'm suggesting, probably older people. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Well, Pippa Wright is uh, Milton Keynes uh, is in Milton Keynes, a mum who blogs about parenting and family issues. Morning, Pippa. Good morning, Ian. Are you surprised that we're still getting this kind of story now in twenty thirteen? You know, I wish I could say that I wasn't surprised, um, but uh, I am surprised. But I'm not surprised because people don't like anything that um, they can pretend to take offence at. Um, and unfortunately, breastfeeding is one of those things. We do still... I mean, I, I, you see breastfeeding kind of everywhere these yeah. days. And you, I, I do hear tuts. Tuts, I said. <laughs> you know, people walking past going, Oh dear, you shouldn't be doing that out here. Well, wait, it, to me, it's, the most nat- it's one of the most natural things in the world. It certainly is. It, it really is. And, and, and I understand that, you know, some people do feel that it should be done so discreetly rather than sort of quite brazenly but i don't think i've ever noticed a woman sort of breastfeeding you know exposing herself 
completely. Um, so I, I think that it's just people more worried about what will happen or what could happen than what is happening. Are there some places, Pippa, where perhaps it is inappropriate to breastfeed? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, a, swan- a swanky restaurant? I don't think I'd take a child to a swanky restaurant, though. That's, that's the point. Um, I, you know, most places that young mums, you know, are four-month-olds, you're not going to take a four-month-old to a swanky restaurant. You know, being on a train, however, that is somewhere that you are going to take them. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it really does depend on the situation. Um, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't take a child to the theatre, um, so I wouldn't expect to see a breastfeeding mother sitting in the middle of the uh, opera or something. As a gentleman, the only the only problem I have with it, Pippa, and uh, uh, this is uh, you know high class problems, yeah. is maintaining eye contact. Not because there's anything <laughs> sexual about it, but yeah. you want to have a look. Of course, you want to have a look. Yeah, it, it, when you see someone doing something, your first thing is you look to see what they're doing. Yes, um, and so yes, that's completely normal. And I do remember having several conversations um, with my father-in-law, for example, where he was trying desperately to look anywhere but at me. Yep. Um, but yeah, you know, he he eventually stopped that. I stopped breastfeeding around him, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, just to make it easier ah, for him. Ah, ah. Well, so that, that there's a situation where breastfeeding, in your mind, was uh, was inappropriate. Well, no, it was just easier for me not to feed um, my children. Obviously, you know, they were only small for a, a few months. Yes. Um, so as they got older and um, started to wriggle about, um, it's easy. I used to have something called a breastfeeding apron, which I could put oh. over myself. Um, but my son didn't like that particularly. Um, and so in the end, it was just easier to sort of, you know, maybe put a cardigan around yourself. And it, it doesn't look like you're doing anything other than cuddling the baby then. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it, it's something that I can understand that people might be shocked at, um, but it's not exactly exposing yourself, um, which you obviously can get in trouble for. Yes, apparently so, and I found that out the hard way. Uh, Pippa Wright, thank you very much indeed. 08459... Did I just say that? Yes. 08459 555 uh, is the phone number. I'd, uh, now, obviously... Being the BBC, we're all lefties at the BBC, apparently. Did you read that? All lefties. We're, we're getting lots of people phoning up saying, oh, no, 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 it's fine. Of course it's fine. I would love to speak to you this morning if you could come on the air and say, no, I, I think there are some places where it's inappropriate to breastfeed. 08459 455 555. Ken's in Luton. Morning, Ken. Morning, Ian. What do you think about breastfeeding? Well, it's just beyond belief what some people carry on of it. I mean, the old boy that told her off, probably goes and eats his lunch sitting down in the carriage reading the sun don't he eh? hey that's he thinks that's what they're for ah yes ah, of course you page see? three yes see i mean the only place where i think it's undignified to breastfeed is sitting on the toilet don't you reckon did your mum do that with you i don't know no. you might Put me head first down at all. Oh, for goodness know. sakes, Kenneth. Dearie me. Well, I would hope. <laughs> I, well, saying that, listen, I, I know some of our listeners, there probably are some mums. You know, when baby's hungry, baby got to feed. Oh, blimey. Would you want to be a baby? Hey? Would I want to be a baby? I'm not Mind you, <laughs> they most probably reckon. Yes. Katie Price's babies are going to be obese. There we go. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. He made the joke. They'll never go hungry. There we go. Right, thank you very much. Uh, indeed. We've got... <laughs> we've got a text on this. Ian, no to breastfeeding in public. I don't see why women think it's acceptable to flop their breast out just because they have a baby attached to it. Well done, train conductor. 
Who's that from? It's from a woman called Sharon. Well, what do you think? Is it ever inappropriate to breastfeed in public? 08459 455. 555 is the telephone number. On uh, Facebook, Helen says, you wouldn't ask an adult to eat their dinner in the toilet, would you? No. April? That was out of order. Most times you really wouldn't know if a babe was being fed or cuddled. I, I don't quite buy that line. Yes, you do know. You do know, because there's either a bit of flesh or they're wearing a silly top that's got a pocket on for the boob to pop out of. Sheila says, it always amazes me uh, when we see animals feeding their young, we say, ah, men love to see glamour models. Yet when a mum of our species feeds her baby, many are appalled. Maybe the gentlemen are appalled because of... uh, Oh, no, we'll do that in a bit. I'll do the papers now. Maybe the the, um, the gentlemen are appalled because it it desexualises the breast it it stops it removes that kind of sexual imagery of the breast because it is one of the most unsexual things you can see here's a good one from sarah jane i was with a friend who was breastfeeding in starbucks a male customer came up to her oh my goodness really and told her she had put him off his coffee he quickly replies i'm pleased my son couldn't see your grumpy face i doubt you would have fed Good for her. Well, 08459 455 555. Can anybody call up this morning and uh, say, no, there, there are places and times when it is inappropriate to breastfeed. Uh, let's have a look at the front page of the newspaper, shall we? The Independent. English revolution in the House of Commons. Whatever. The thing that's going to draw your eyes, there's a naked man. I say naked. He's got some socks and some uh, Adidas trainers on. Who's that? It's uh, from 1975. Uh, He's jumping over uh, some cricket stumps. As England prepared to defend the ashes, an appeal has been launched to track down the unofficial star of an earlier series, shown here, leaping the wickets at Lords in 1975. Turn to page three. Look at this. These are proper streakers. Well, there's an excellent picture as well of the uh, of uh, Thomas Walsh and Neil Hannon of the Duckworth Lewis Method, who, uh, who, who they write songs about cricket. I don't even like cricket, but their songs are wonderful. Oh, they're looking for him. Thomas Walsh is looking for him. We should get Thomas on the phone and, uh, and, and uh, find out more. Proper, and there's a proper uh, streaker. You don't get streakers anymore, do you? Uh, the Times. Unions to be sidelined if they stall Labour reform. And search for new British tennis chief hits the net. Only three days after celebrating one of its finest hours in decades, the shine of British tennis might be expected to gleam as strongly as Andy Murray's Wimbledon trophy. Yet a crisis of leadership is hanging over the body responsible for transforming the victory into lasting success. It's emerged. The Lawn Tennis Association, whose budget, £38 million last year, uh, is intended to hone young talent to eliminate... Um, uh, to emulate, sorry, Murray's triumph could be without a chief exec within me. I'll do it. I'll have a go. My first rule, make this illegal. Ban that nonsense. The Daily Telegraph. Anger as Europe backs killers. This is the thing we were talking about yesterday. A major revolt against Europe's influence over British affairs was triggered last night after judges in Strasbourg ruled that life means life sentences given to the most heinous criminals breach their human rights. I'll say it now. Let's get out of Europe. Let's, they can't. No, they can't tell us what to do to our murderers. They're our murderers. We want to send them up for life. We send them up for life. Out of Europe. There we go. I've, I've been sitting on the fence for years. I've made my mind up. That has made my mind up. No, 
no, no. If we want, if we want Bamber and those horrible, the other forty-nine so-and-sos, Stephen Wright, the fellow that hacked up and murdered prostitutes. If we want to say they have to stay in prison for life, then we should be able to say that. It's the first time I've ever had a strong opinion on Europe. I know. In your face, Strasbourg. Yeah, in your face. That's the kind of political debate you get here uh, between six and nine weekdays, BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, the Guardian. G4S faces damages claim over killing of uh, deportee. Um, and sun tapes trigger new Met inquiry into Murdoch. Detectives are investigating Rupert Murdoch over comments he made in an internal meeting with journalists from the Sun that was secretly recorded. Hang on, who was who was secretly with well, the Sun secretly recording him? Was there a fake shake there? I missed the fake shake. He was news of the world, wasn't he? Fake shake, I think. Very quickly, Daily Mail. Uh, what about the victims' rights? Victims' families reacted with fury last night after European judges ruled serial killers must be given the right to seek re- parole. Out. Out of Europe. Come on. I had no strong feelings on it yesterday. Now Strasbourg has got right up my nose. Stick your human rights where the sun don't shine, MEPs. Daily Express, statins really do save your life. And the son, Elton, I nearly died of appendicitis. He had a bad stomach. For goodness, he's pulled out of the Hyde Park. If you were going to Hyde Park on Friday, are you gutted that Elton John is being gutted? 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M40 northbound, one lane's closed for recovery work after an accident early this morning. Two lorries involved between Junction 1A at the M25 and 2 at Beaconsfield. It's still delays of around 10 minutes, and it's the inside lane, lane 1, that's closed while they do the clean-up there. Wendover Road at Butler's Cross remains blocked by a fallen tree. This is between Ellsborough Road and Pound Street. The A1 starting to slow up as you come southbound to the Black Cat Roundabout at Roxton. It's looking slow on the approach to the Great Barford Bypass. Barnet Way, then into London. This is right the other end of the A1 as you come through Boreham Wood. It's looking slow from Stirling Corner down to Mill Hill Circus with queues on the cameras. The M1 southbound is busy from Junction 11 at the A505 toward 10 at Luton Airport. The A5 is looking slow in Dunstable at the minute as you make your way from Church Street toward Luton Road. It's also looking quite busy in Aylesbury. Tring Road, the A41, slow moving from the SO roundabout toward the Woodlands roundabout. Then on the M25, it's stop start into the roadworks past Enfield and it's busy again anti-clockwise from the M1 right the way around to the M40. Trains and tubes running without problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. 7.46, Wednesday the 10th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The uncle of the man accused of killing 19-year-old Amelia Arnold in Stevenage has told the court his nephew confessed to the murder. Jack Wall denies that charge but has admitted to manslaughter. Police in Bedford are looking for a group of teenagers who followed a disabled woman for 40 minutes while verbally abusing her. When she arrived home, they stole her bag. In sport... England face Australia in the first cricket test at Trent Bridge this morning. Captain Alistair Cook says it feels very special to be leading the side for the first time in an Ashes series. 08459 455 555. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Here's Wendy. Hello, good morning. Lovely start to the day out there once again. But don't be alarmed, there will be a little bit more cloud around this afternoon. We will see that moving in from the north. It's going to be breaking up as it comes through, so we'll see, still see some sunny spells. It's going to be dry. Temperatures, uh, I think before the cloud gets here, will be approaching sort of the low 20s, but they might just even out once the cloud sort of uh, passes across. As we go through the evening, I think the cloud will actually clear away for a time and we will have a clear start to the night. And then as we go through it... We're actually going to get some sort of low cloud and sea mist drifting quite far inland. So I think we will wake up to some of that first thing tomorrow morning. Temperatures 11 or 12 degrees Celsius to start with tomorrow. But uh, once the sun's up, about five o'clock, we will see that cloud burning back again towards the coast. And we will have a lovely sunny afternoon. Temperatures a little bit fresher than previous days. Uh, We're talking the low 20s, perhaps as high as 25 for a time in the afternoon. Uh, Friday again, bit of a grey start, but a sunny afternoon. Temperatures not doing too badly at all. In fact, by the time we get to Saturday, they will have picked right up again. It's going to be turning very warm or hot over Saturday with lots of dry, sunny weather. And uh, we could be hitting 28, 29 degrees somewhere at once again. So this dry, sunny spell continues. Thank you very much. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. This afternoon, I'll be live at one of the world's biggest horticultural events. The Hampton Court Palace Flower Show is in its 23rd year and I'll be bringing you all the colour and excitement from this year's event. I'll be speaking to exhibitors from across beds, hearts and bucks about their blooms and bulbs and we'll all be learning about the difference between a Lathyrus odoratus and a Sinapis arvensis. Join me live at the Hampton Court Palace Flower Show today from midday here on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. Now, this morning we're asking uh, about the Royal Mail privatising it. Is it a good idea? Well, it's expected to be announced later on today that it will be privatised. It's thought it may be listed for £2.5 billion and shares will be made available to staff. There are concerns from the Communication Workers' Union that the decision would adversely affect the postal service and the working conditions for the company's workers. Well, our reporter, Barry Caffrey, asked people in Luton whether they thought a privatisation of Royal Mail was a good idea. Personally, I'm in favour of nationalised industries, not privatised. It's it's an institution and I wouldn't see any benefit from it being privatised other than job losses perhaps and prices going up. I would say it wouldn't be a good idea because there's been so many organisations that have been privatised and I think we should keep Britain uh, as industrious as possible. Do you think it's an institution for Britain, the Royal Mail? It's, yeah, I think it's actually almost like the NHS. It's, it's something that's recognisable as uh, Britain, really, and I think it's a really good service. Personally, I think that privatisation of anything is uh, not very good. What happens is it makes the people, rich people more rich and the poor people poorer. Well, joining me now is Dr Ruth Bender, who is Reader in Corporate Financial Strategy at the Cranfield School of Management in Bedford. Good morning, Ruth. Good morning. Do you think privatisation of Royal Mail is necessary? Um, it's one answer to the problem. I mean, I must admit, as an individual, I agree with your Vox Pop, but the problem is that the Royal Mail needs money and the government needs money and privatisation is probably the best answer to that. Are there any other potential options? 
Well, there's, as far as the government, I can't answer that one. As far as the Royal Mail, there's four ways it can get money. It could make a lot more profit. I mean, it's already gone into profit, but it would need a lot more. It could get money from its covenant over owner, the government, which isn't going to happen. It could possibly borrow. The government says it can't borrow because the, that would count as government borrowing. The Communication Workers Union said, well, hang on, there is a way round this, and it would take an army of lawyers to work out which of those two sides were right. And the other alternative is to get money from a new owner, and a new owner probably means some sort of privatisation. Should people be concerned, do you think? Um, well, let's pick it apart. The universal service obligation, the idea that we all get mail six days a week, is enshrined in law, which is good. On the other hand, laws can be changed. So at the moment, there's no need to worry about delivery. Um, something may happen, we don't know. As far as the workforce goes, I think the union's right on that. One of the ways to make the company more financially efficient is to lose workers now whether that would happen anyway whether or not it's privatized because it still needs to be more financially efficient i don't know but we're living in a world where nobody's job is certain it's almost definitely going to mean a loss of jobs isn't it i think that that's that's going to be an inevitable if, if, if they're trying to save money that it's means people going doesn't it that it generally does in most businesses is it an old-fashioned concept though ruth the, the the royal mail and the post office and we i mean we, we kind of everyone huffed and puffed when the second delivery was was abolished but we live in a different world now don't we with emails and with with so many options for sending parcels it's a bit of an old-fashioned thing isn't it well yeah but it's really nice i mean i live in <laughs> it is really nice it is nice but, but yeah the problem is i use email um, most of the post that is delivered is business post and the people who are using it, the businesses, have a wide choice of providers these days. So the Royal Mail doesn't have a monopoly on that. They work very hard to, to, to get a good market share, but they don't have a, a monopoly on it. And in a business sense, there probably isn't a need for it to be the Royal Mail, but I'd rather keep it that way. Oh, you sentimental old fool you are, Dr Ruth. Thank you very much for joining us. Dr Ruth Bender, reader in Corporate Financial Strategy at the Cranfield School of Management in Bedford. Andy's in Luton. What do you reckon, Andy? Wrong one. <laughs> good morning. Uh, yes, good morning. Good morning, yep. Good, good morning. morning. Hello, Andy. Ian here. What What do you think? Well, I've, I, I don't think it's going to be a good idea because the Royal Mail as such is enshrined in all sorts of complex laws. Um... And at the moment, the Royal Mail doesn't actually charge VAT. But if they become a private company, they will have to charge VAT. So your post immediately goes up 20%. Well, the po how much is a first-class stamp these days? I don't know, because they use a franking machine. Ah, uh, well, then, there you go, you see. Right, I, I, I'm going to Google it. I reckon, let, let, let's see if I'm in touch with reality. I reckon a first-class stamp is 35 pence. Hang on a second, let's, let's just Google this. Cost of... I bet it's about 80. 80 pence?! No, like no, 80p. No, it can't be. Uh, cost of first class... Oh, uh, oh, oh, it's 60. Is that right? It's a bit, it's a bit yeah, yeah. Bloody! I'm well out of touch. Well, listen, 60p, though. If I post a letter in Luton uh, this morning to Glasgow, and 60 pence is very, very cheap for it to get there the next day, isn't it? Maybe we should be paying a bit more for our stamps. I don't know, a quid, £1.20. 
Yeah, I don't know if the law's changed, but it used to be that um, a third party, in other words, not the Royal Mail, if they wanted to um, carry a letter, yeah, they had to charge more than a pound. It's one of those things that was put in place to protect the Royal Mail. Right. But I mean, there's lots of other laws, like um, I, I, was, I was a copper a very long time ago, and we arrested a postman in the post bag. But we had to give the post bag to the Royal Mail, mail immediately because it's a, a, an offence to detain the, detain the mail. Well, even the police couldn't detain the mail. Well, no, we... Unfortunately, the postman used the bag as a uh, means by which to steal. Oh. Um, and it was full of mail. Yeah. So all we, all we could do was take some pictures of the bag, take the, uh, the evidence out, yeah. um, and give the mail bag and the mail directly to the Royal Mail. Now, because you, you're not allowed to detain them. A lot of postmen are excellent, and postwomen. I know that there's a... You know, girls, girls can put things through slots as well. But uh, I would never, ever send... Uh, cat. I, I don't even really send birthday cards in the post because they get opened by someone having a cheeky little look to see if there's a fiver in there, don't they? I wouldn't like to speculate on that. And oh, Andy, look, he's, he, once a copper, always a copper. We've we've all had that, haven't we? Birthday cards arrive and the envelopes open a little bit. We've all had that. Uh, n- you never send cash in a birthday card because it will not arrive now. That system is flawed. Will privatisation get rid of that? I hope so. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. But just any kind of birthday card. Some, some interesting packages I've had arrive. They just look interesting. So they've been opened. In your face, postman, because basically all you've looked at is some rubbish monkey CDs from America or Japan. So, you know, you snooze, you lose. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. What do you think about the Royal Mail? And be honest. If you love it, let me know. Tell me about it. If you've had um, some bad incidences, I mentioned earlier the, the the computer games, three or four hundred quid worth of computer games that were sent, special super recorded delivery, never turned up. Took me about six weeks to get the money off them. And I had to record phone calls. I had to huff and puff. Oh, it was a nightmare. In the end, I only got the money because I said, look, I do a radio show. This has been going on for six weeks. If I don't get an answer by the end of the week, I'm doing a special about you. The next day, a phone call. We do apologise, Mr Lee. We will be sending you a cheque immediately. 08459 455 555. Your stories about the Royal Mail, good or bad. Maybe you've got a postman, like my current postman, who is excellent, who goes that, that little bit further, goes the extra mile. Not literally an extra mile, because they'll be delivering posts in the wrong place. That would be stupid. But he makes a real effort to make sure that we get our post and we don't have to traipse to the post office in town to pick things up. He's excellent. Or maybe you've had birthday cards that have arrived and they've been ripped open. Someone's had a little look. Money's gone missing. Cheques gone missing. Maybe a CD's gone missing. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC three CR, or you can send me a text eight one three double three. Start your text three CR, and as always, put your name on the text. I, I, I don't read them out. One of the rules on this show: I don't read them out if there's no name on them. Here's travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. M40 northbound, there's still a lane closed for recovery work after the accident in the early hours, with two lorries involved between the M25 and Beaconsfield at Junction 2. They're just doing clean-up work now, so lane one, the inside lane's the one that's shut northbound. 
lanes 2, 3 and 4 all completely open but there's still about a 10 minute delay through the extra traffic. Wendover Road at Butler's Cross looking slow. It's blocked off by a fallen tree between Ellsborough Road and Pound Street. The M1 southbound slow moving from Junction 11 at the A505 toward 10 for Luton Airport. The A5 in Dunstable is looking pretty slow between Church Street and Luton Road. A bit of a delay in Tring or the A41. Not too bad though. And once you come along the A41 into Aylesbury, the Tring Road, you've got problems from the SO roundabout down toward the Woodlands roundabout with a patch of slow-moving traffic. A1 at the Black Cat roundabout looking slow on the southbound side. Delays then into London through Boreham Wood on the A1 and the usual problems on the M25. It's slow both ways through the roadworks and stop-start anti-clockwise from the M1 down to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Coming up after 8 o'clock, we'll have uh, more on that story about a disabled woman in her little scooter, got bullied and then robbed by a gang of thugs. We'll talk about that more after the news with Catherine Boyle. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Eight o'clock, the headline, Stevenage man denies murder, disabled woman ac- abused in Bedford and plans to privatise Royal Mail. BBC Three Counties Radio. A court heard how the boyfriend of a Stevenage woman confessed to his uncle that he'd murdered her. 22-year-old Jack Wall from Hadrian's Walk denies murder but admits manslaughter, as Tony Fisher reports. 19-year-old Amelia Arnold was killed at the property in Hadrian's Walk with what the prosecution say was probably a dumbbell bar. Wall's uncle, Joseph Potter, told the court Wall had said to him, It's not manslaughter, I've murdered her Uncle Joe. The court heard details of how he'd helped his nephew to clear up the body. 42-year-old Potter from Bletchley has pleaded guilty to assisting an offender and is currently in custody. The case continues. A man's due before Luton magistrates late in connection with a recent spate of gun crime in the town. 30-year-old Trevor Mac- Sorry, Mulligan from Oakley Green in Leighton Buzzard is charged with possession of ammunition when being a prohibited person and possession of cannabis. An 18-year-old from High Wycombe has been remanded in custody, accused of robbery, attempted robbery and carrying a bladed weapon in a public place. Ross Shearer from Hewenden Road in Wycombe has been charged with robbing the Corner Express store in Hamilton Road on the 26th of June. He's also been accused of attempting to rob the Best One Express store in Bridge Street last Thursday. Police in Bedford are looking for a group of teenagers who followed a disabled woman for 40 minutes while verbally abusing her. When the woman reached home in Brickhill, they stole her bag, damaging her scooter in the process. Detectives are keen to speak to anyone who saw the woman being pursued by five young black men aged between 13 and 18 last Wednesday. A major road in Milton Keynes will be resurfaced after a section of loose road sliced through the bottom of a bus, injuring an elderly passenger. The incident happened last weekend when an Arriva bus was turning into Lower 9th Street. Our reporter Paul Scoynes has been at the scene. As you look out to the road, you see these huge concrete blocks. And what I can see from just going and standing on one of them is you can see that they're very loose indeed and they actually move quite a degree when you stand on them and there's a number of these slabs which do the same and every time a bus goes over these slabs they move sometimes fairly violently as well i haven't seen any come out of their moorings although this is what appears to have happened just a week ago 
The government is preparing to give MPs more details about the proposed privatisation of Royal Mail. The business is likely to be listed for £2.5 billion with shares available to staff, investment institutions and members of the public. The Communication Workers Union says the sale will badly affect the company's workforce. Sport in England take on Australia in the five-match Ashes Test Series, which starts later at Trent Bridge. Yorkshire batsman Joe Root's been promoted up the order and will open it the batting in place of Nick Compton, who's been dropped. The weather, cloudy and cooler than of late with the top 10 Temperature today of 21 degrees Celsius, that's 70 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. A disabled woman has been verbally abused and robbed on her way home from Bedford Town Centre. She had to endure 40 minutes of abuse, which ended in the gang damaging her scooter and nicking her bag. Well, I couldn't believe it when I heard this, but it did get me thinking, is hatred towards disabled people more common than we think? If you've encountered it in your life... 08459 455 555 Postal workers have started a week-long bus tour today as they head towards London to campaign against the privatisation of Royal Mail. Well, do you get a good service from Royal Mail? Or have you had some bits and pieces maybe go missing or your postman's been a bit rubbish? And there's a woman on a train is asked to continue her breastfeeding in the train toilet... Is, are there any places where it's inappropriate to breastfeed in public? Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Incredible story in the news this morning. A disabled woman has been verbally abused and robbed on her way home from Bedford Town Centre. She had to endure 40 minutes of abuse abuse because of her disability. I can't say what they said, but it's flipping horrible. Horrible! Is hatred towards disabled people more common than we think? Well, Liz Sace is the Chief Executive of Disability Rights UK. Morning, Liz. Morning. How common is this kind of thing? Well, first of all, can I just say what an awful uh, thing to happen to, to, to the woman you mentioned, and, you know, my feelings go to her. Um, yes, it, it is more common than I think people have, have realised. And one of the things that's happened recently is that we, disabled people's organisations and the police, have been encouraging people to, to report it, because a lot of people were suffering in silence. And um, so, actually, what's happening now is the reports of hate crime are going up. And, um, I mean, I think that... It's it's such a sort of shabby thing to do, isn't it? To you know, when somebody's on a mobility scooter, for example, and you're actually having a go at them for being disabled. Uh, and so, what what the law now says is that that crime is treated even more seriously than if you just did the robbery. Do you see what I mean? So mm. the fact that hate against a disabled person means that um, it's you know it's. You, you might get a more severe sentence. We're only at the beginning of this journey, but, you know, I just think um, it's absolutely shocking. And we get lots of cases uh, around the country that come to us, uh, unfortunately. And, you know, the only thing that's 
I suppose you could say is good is that, you know, we're working with the police and the Crown Prosecution Service to try and get something done about it. What, what kind of case, what stories are you hearing, Liz? What kind of people are, are being attacked or, or, or bullied like this and, and, and what's done? So, um, I mean, some of the sorts of... I think the thing about, um, you know, lots of verbal abuse in the street is quite common. And is this people um, in wheelchairs, blind people? Is this, this is kind of covering everybody? Yeah, and also people with learning disabilities. I've, I was talking to somebody with a learning disability the other day who said he was frightened to go on the bus anymore because he was being taunted and abused, and so he was just kind of sitting at home. Um, so, it, yes, it is, and, and yes, it does happen to blind people. Blind people getting robbed, I suppose people think they're an easy target. Easy target, it, yeah. It, um, it's awful, and it doesn't, doesn't speak very well of kind of, you know, the society, this is happening around us. Um, so, I mean, I would just say to people, you know, if you if you know of anything like this happening, go to the police or in some parts of the country, that dis- local disability groups are offering support to people where, where anything like that has happened. You know, so do seek support and do report it. I'm just confused. As, I'm confused as to how this happened. We talk about education being the answer. But who would... Surely kids are being brought up to know that this is unacceptable behaviour, aren't they? Well, you would think so, wouldn't you? And, um, I mean, certainly one of the things that we're doing in some in some parts of the country like disabled people are going into schools talking about their experience letting kids know that you know disability is an ordinary part of life loads of people are disabled it's nothing you know you, um we're all human we've all got human rights the same as everybody else and and um and i think that's quite helpful because sometimes you know if people people are ignorant they don't understand that doesn't help um but you know, I think it's kind of abuse of power mm. happens against happens against older people sometimes it happens against people from different um ethnic community, minority communities. Do you think some of this well I mean last year we were hey, we were all running up to disabled people and embracing them because of the Paralympics, and hey, you guys can do everything, but in recent months, there have been um the, 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 vaguely anti-disabledist stories, haven't they, in terms that they're all scroungers and benefits are being cut and there are people swinging the lead. Do you think that that has had any influence? Actually, I think it does have an influence because um, somebody I know who's a disabled person, um, was he, he was verbally abused and it was all about, you know, you're taking our taxes, you're... Wow. By a complete stranger. Can you imagine going up to a complete stranger in the street and shouting it like that? But truth of the matter is there is um, an infinitesimal amount of fiddling the system. What there is is people who were people were put on benefits years ago um, and were not given any support to get work. Do you know what I mean? People, people, people were. I think a lot of disabled people have been let down. Most. People want to work. If you know, just employers give disabled people a chance to work. Um, this scrounger thing is nonsense, to be honest. I mean, of course, you can always find one or two cases, yeah. but the vast, overwhelming majority of disabled people are not swinging the lead. Liz, we have to end it there. Thank you very much, Liz Sace, Chief Executive of Disability Rights UK. Well, if you are uh, disabled in any way or have a disabled relative, have you witnessed anything like this? Can't believe some guy Liz was talking about just there got got shouted abuse at. You're a scrounger, taking my taxes. If you've witnessed this, could you give us a call? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Text eight one three double three. Start your message with three CR. Texts will be charged at the standard network rate. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
A major road in Milton Keynes will be resurfaced after a section of loose road sliced through the bottom of a bus, injuring an elderly passenger. Well, Chair of Milton Keynes Bus Users Group, Peter Ballantyne, spoke to me earlier and explained the extent of the injuries suffered by the passenger. As far as I'm understanding, it was two broken ankles and some damage to the, to the leg of the lady, that, uh, and she was a 60-year-old uh, pensioner. I mean, it came through with such force. Of course! Yes. And we had had conversations in, the, in recent months to say um, that this needed attention. Well, I'm joined now by Conservative Councillor John Bint, who is the Cabinet Member for Transport and Highways at Milton Keynes Council. John, this issue had been raised quite some time ago. Why didn't the Council take notice of any of the warnings? We've got a considerable programme of maintenance and the, and the feedback from all members of the public, including the, the bus users group, feeds, feeds into that. Um, clearly, clearly, this is a, this is a very unfortunate incident, and and deep sympathies to the to the lady in question. Um, clearly, sometimes accidents happen, and 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 uh, they can't be prevented. But this stretch of road had been flagged up before. Why didn't you take notice of any of the warnings? The advice I've been given by the council officers involved is that although there's a general concern about a wider area of which this is part, that this particular loose piece of stone hadn't been reported because if it had been reported, um, it would have been acted on. Our reporter uh, has been there and there are lots of loose stones. There's also lots of work going on in the area. You know we've got a major investment programme in, in highways. Clearly we have to do things as, okay, as, well, as, as come forward. Well, OK, you said that you would have acted on those loose, that loose stone if you'd known it had been there. Are you going to act on the other loose stones that I'm telling you are there? We've got a programme of, of emergency repairs, and that, and that particular one in question was repaired uh, within, I believe, uh, less than 48 hours. We've also got... The other um, loose stones there? We've also got a programme, as I was, I was going to go on to say, we've got, we've got further work going on to make sure that, that, the, uh, that the entire area is, is, is fit for the time it's got to um, continue Excellent. for major investment work in that area over the next couple of years. Fantastic. And, and, and how long will it take to get those loose stones replaced? Individual ones are done under in 48 hours. Uh, the generality of the area will take a little longer to, uh, to, get, a, to get a major piece of resurfacing work there. Okay. So we'll, we'll do things as soon as we can. You, you will also know, because you've asked me about it in the past, that, yeah. um, that there is a delicate balance between how much people want to have spent on yes. maintenance and how much maintenance they want done. We're doing the very best we can, including... The pension has broken her ankles, so I, I would imagine that people um, would want this to be done quite quickly. They are. I've made the point that we've got a, a priority system of under a 48-hour response time okay. for urgent repairs. So those urgent repairs, those, those loose um, stones that uh, our reporter Paul Scoynes uh, has, uh, has reported on this morning, they'll be repaired, uh, where are we now, Wednesday? So, what, by the weekend? If the, if the, if the highway officers agree that they're all in the category of urgent repairs, then yes, they will be done in, in, in two days. There may, be, there may be some that are important, but not as urgent as others. So I'm not making um, an, an, an entire promise until the highways officers have been and assessed the, the entire... And how do you ascertain which ones uh, are urgent? I'm not a highway engineer. I, c I couldn't look at a piece of stone and decide whether one is but more But you're the cabinet member for transport and highways, so how do you ascertain which one is more urgent? We pay a considerable amount of money for highways officers to make those professional assessments and to use an extensive but, but finite budget to the very best of their professional judgment. They failed here, haven't they, John? 
they didn't know about this one. They we're very sorry about this particular one, and, and it is a matter that's being dealt with by the insurers. The generality is we've got a very good safety record, and we'll continue to do the best we can for everyone. John, surely, listen, a six-year-old woman has, as far as we know, broken both her ankles and had her leg lacerated. Surely you have to go and sort out that road this week. That road has been done the urgent work has been done and if there's more urgent work that that's come up as a result of this conversation then more people will do more urgent work in the next two days can you guarantee that that road is now completely safe for everybody using it you can never guarantee these things but you should be able to guarantee that a bit of rock isn't going to fly up through a bus and break an old woman's ankles you should be john as a conservative councillor able to guarantee that yes we're doing the very best we can. We regret this incident. We regret any incident. And there's a lot of money being spent on highways in the best way that the professionals know how to do it. I'm sorry about this incident, but I don't accept the generality that, that there is lots of these. This, this, wouldn't be, this wouldn't be a news item if, 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 if there were lots of these things. This is very it, it rare, very unfortunate. OK, uh, uh, but you're confident that that stretch of road is perfectly safe for people to travel on and that another pensioner isn't going to... To break their ankles sitting on a bus i think we can be reasonably confident of that absolutely i bet you were reasonably confident two weeks ago it wouldn't happen but it did happen have you spoken to the lady in question i haven't but i understand the council officers have have been able to do that okay and what did, did they apologize what did they send a box of chocolates what was done I think what they've done is made sure that she's getting the medical attention. We've expressed deep regret that it happened, and we've dealt with the road urgently. Beyond, beyond that, I'm not sure what else has happened. She's probably in a good position to sue, isn't she? I don't want to comment. That's a matter for her and the insurers. But she probably is in a good position, isn't she? I mean, she, she's entitled to compensation for, for the uh, 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 t- horrific thing that happened to her. As I just said, I think what we've done is we're doing what we did. That's a matter for her and the insurers. We want to spend them at the um, all the available resources. I would prefer to spend it on road maintenance rather than compensation claims, but that's entirely a matter for the insurers. So you'd rather you rather that she didn't sue you? I'd rather she does what she feels she has to and that we do what we can to keep all the roads safe as we can for Milton Keynes users. Uh, John, thank you very much indeed. Conservative councillor John Bint, uh, who is Cabinet Member for Transport and Highways at Milton Keynes. Right, a little bit later than usual, but let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. Good news first off. M40 northbound all reopened after the recovery work has been completed between the M25 and Beaconsfield. Wendover Road at Butler's Cross still blocked by the fallen tree Ellsborough Road through to Pound Street. Slow on the M1 from Junction 11 to 10. Busy on the A5 through Dunstable approaching the A505 southbound. Friaridge Road in Aylesbury is looking slow at the Walton Street roundabout. That's the A41. The Great North Road, the A1 as you come down toward the Black Cat roundabout at Roxton. That is queuing and delays into London as well through Boreham Wood, Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Clockwise M25 is heavy through the roadwork section, anti-clockwise slow through there as well, plus a delay from the M1 round to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Coming up to 8.18, it's Wednesday the 10th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A court has heard how the boyfriend of 19-year-old Amelia Arnold, who was found dead in Hatfield in November, told his uncle he'd murdered her. 22-year-old Jack Wall has admitted manslaughter. Police in Bedford are looking for a group of teenagers who followed a disabled woman for 40 minutes while verbally abusing her. 
In sport, England's cricket captain Alistair Cook has told his side it's important they hit the ground running when the Ashes get underway at 11 o'clock this morning and then stops at 12.30 for lunch. Coming up, we'll meet the wife of a resident at a central Bedfordshire care home. She's criticised the council for the way it informed relatives of a damning CQC report into care there. 08459 455555. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you've missed any of the programmes from the last week, you've missed things like this. As far as that woman's concerned, I agree with the previous caller. She's the biggest racist I've ever met in my whole darn life. But there is a way you can hear it all again. You speak like a pig. Oh, you too. Come on, Grant. to you too. You speak like a silly old cow. Go to bbc.co.uk slash three counties and click on listen again. All of our programmes are available for seven days, allowing you to listen to what you missed. bbc.co.uk co.uk slash three counties stop whinging love they don't work nothing works oh for goodness sakes you've come in with the right cob on i fix them now and the way you fix them by repeatedly thrashing my head about <laughs> you should I, I will film that one day it's it's like um, a, a, a man wearing headphones but having an electric charge passed Secondly, through your skull this is a radio station well I just expect to find some headphones that work you say a radio station i mean technically yes right in many ways no oh yes you smell delightful do I? You do. It's got a little waft of it coming over to me then. Summery a... fragrance today. Oh, oh that's lovely. Mm. That's really good. They should do um, JVS scratch and sniff cards. Because <laughs> sometimes you smell amazing. Sometimes. But, uh, but, oh. mo- but today you smell amazing. I would happily sit at home um, listening to you talking about, I don't know, a, a horrible, dirty, stained mattress or, you know, the, the, a squatter who wants to get the, the mould cleaned off their, their, their bathroom and scratch away, be rubbed been away by sat by the radio and sniffing sniffing a moldy mattress yeah. well yeah or you sniffing your scent sniffing at my scent yes well do you i don't often smell you no do you put anything on i a little bit of sure sure deodorant oh, and i i do use um <laughs> I, I do use a scent i use prada <laughs> oh look at very you very nice but two things right one it's very expensive so i only use it for specials oh, oh. So normally, of a day, you don't, like today, you've not got anything on. I think I put some on, but the thing is, I think my body, uh, it doesn't absorb scent. So I can put on lots of aftershave and just, I don't smell of anything. I think I've got, something happens that the scent is, is, is taken off my body. Right. I think there's, that, that's a, a thing. Life's too short not to liberally drench yourself in eau de toilette how on much a do daily you, basis. How much do you put on? Uh, I do two spritzes on each corner of my of my of, of my neck. Yeah, so that's four. Then I take my my wrists, oh, you rub them here, yeah. rub them together, so you've got a little bit coming out of your wrists as well. Yeah. And occasionally, I'll do a mist into the air and run through it. I do most of the things you've just mentioned there. Um, see if you can guess which one I don't do. Just... You know when you, you've been talking about your two little boys yes. with the hose pipe? Yeah. And you kind of spray water in the air and then they run through it in their pants? Yes. Picture that, but with very fine eau de toilette. It's that image of you in your pants again, running through a spray. Sometimes I run backwards and forwards just to get a double effect, but on the back. 
Joined now by JVS. Jonathan, nice to see you. Morning. What's on the show this morning? Coming up on this morning's Big Phone, and picking up on this awful, awful story from Bedford today, a 45-year-old disabled woman from Bedford has been pursued on her mobility scooter, robbed and repeatedly verbally abused by a gang of five youths. They followed her on her way home from a medical appointment, and for 40 minutes they taunted and harassed her before stealing over £175 in cash and then breaking her scooter. Nice one, guys. Well done. I know. What's wrong with for well done. God's sake, what's wrong with these people? Terrible. Well, I mean, it's clearly an extreme case. But is it a sign that society still needs radical change when it comes to the way we treat the disabled? From nine this morning, I want your views. Are the British public nasty to disabled people? If you are disabled yourself, have you experienced nastiness to a greater or lesser degree? If so, what kind of things do you have to put up with? Perhaps you're uh, the relative or carer of a disabled person, and when you've been out shopping or whatever, you're often horrified at the things that people will either say or do. Your views from nine this morning. Are the British public nasty to disabled people? 08459 455 555. A cup of tea has arrived. Thank you, Kelly Betts. Look at this. Isn't she a pretty little thing? (laughs) Dear. (laughs) Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. 459 455 555 is the phone number. Now, the wife of a resident at a central Bedfordshire care home has criticised the council for the way it informed relatives of a damning CQC report into care. The Care Quality Commission identified concerns with the care, safety and welfare of the 70 residents, many of whom have dementia. The CQC found there was a shortage of staff. Residents were calling out for help but were being ignored. The toilet areas hadn't been cleaned and less than 50% of the mattresses on the beds were clean and free from stains. Well, yesterday I spoke to Dr John Beer from Action on Elder Abuse. This is what he had to say. It is outrageous and we do need to be outraged and expect something better for um, our elderly relatives and one day maybe for ourselves. Um, And there are too many reports like this and and we need to bring about a real change in, in the quality of care. Well, I'm joined now by Beryl. Beryl's husband has Alzheimer's and has been at the Meppershaw Care Home for a number of years. Morning, Beryl. Good morning, Ian. Beryl, how were you told uh, that the care home had done very badly in a CQC report? Uh, a telephone call from the head nurse at the home on the 28th of June. She phoned to tell me that there was going to be a meeting on the Monday, which was like two days later. Uh, no real information at all. So they just said, we're having a meeting in a few days. The first you heard was a phone call saying, we're having a meeting in a few days. Maybe you want to pop along. She did say that the CQC had made a visit on May the 13th and that there was some concerns. I asked if she was at liberty to inform me of any of those concerns. And she did name a couple of them. Okay. Which ones did she mention? Do you remember? Uh, Yes, she mentioned um, the fact that the porridge had been scooped up with one of the carer's hands that had fallen down the side of the chair and placed it back in the resident's bowl. Um, And the other one, she said, was one carer feeding two people. 
they were the only two concerns okay. I was aware of. One, one care of feeding two people in the great scheme of things is not brilliant, but it's 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 not as bad as some of the other right. revelations. No, okay, absolutely correct. Um, I can understand that. You know, they're they're very short. Yeah. So you went to the meeting, Beryl. What, what happened in the meeting? Um, there were four representatives from Central Beds. Um, they introduced themselves. They said that the CQC had found a number of problems. They wanted to assure uh, the residents' relatives that were at the meeting that it was being addressed and that the new manager who we were introduced to uh, was prepared to take on quite a substantial battle, actually. But uh, also at that meeting, she said we could look at the CQC report online. When I got home and looked at that report, I was appalled. So hang on a second. They didn't have any printouts no. of the report there to no. hand out. And that is, Ian, that is what I want to speak to them about. Why did they not have copies? Why did they not go through every item? They didn't even go, they didn't even go through it point by point with you. They just said, there's been a report, it's not great, we're going to change things. They did not go through point by point. And you see, a lot of the things that they identified, uh, visitors going to the home would not be aware of. Mm. You would not be aware of falsifying of records. You would not be aware of wrongful drug administration. Um, those are the things that a visitor just would not be aware of. Um, I'm also concerned about the length of time between the visit from the CQC and when we were notified. Um, so the, the CQC visit, when was that and, and when did you get told about it? The CQC visit was May the 13th. Uh, since the meeting and having gone online, that report was published on the 15th of June. Mm. They did not hold a meeting until the 1st of July. So residents, obviously most of the residents there aren't aware of what's going on anyway, Ian. Mm. So we are their spokespeople. Beryl, listen, I have to go to the news and I've got a statement as well from the care home. Can you stay on the line for a few more minutes and we'll come and speak to you after the news? Is that okay? Thank you very much for speaking to Beryl, whose husband uh, has been at the Mepishaw uh, care home for a number of years. It did terribly in a CQC report, and uh, Beryl is unhappy about the way, well, the, the care home didn't really tell her anything at all. They said, oh, we've had a problem. One of the carers has been told off for feeding two um, uh, uh, residents at the same time, and there was a problem with some porridge. But don't worry. We're going to sort it out. Well, we'll we'll get more from Beryl, and we'll hear the statement from uh, Mepushul after the travel with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Just looking at the train departure boards, generally the trains and tubes this morning are still running fine. We have got some late runners through Milton Keynes, though. It's mainly trains going north up toward Birmingham and beyond, coming up from London Euston. No signalling problem, nothing really causing an issue, just a few late running trains. I think one train may have been delayed a little bit earlier this morning by a fault, and that might have just caused a couple of knock-on delays of a few minutes each. The A1 on the roads, we're looking a little slow southbound toward the Black Cat roundabout. It then looks busy again once you get to the other end of the A1 coming into London through Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus with queues on the cameras there. Wendover Road at Butler's Cross still blocked both ways by a fallen tree. 
between Missenden Road and Pound Street. The A41 in Aylesbury, slow near the Oxford Road roundabout. Heavy traffic both ways on the M25 through the roadworks section. And the anti-clockwise side is stop-start from the M1 round to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much. We'll speak more to Beryl, whose uh, husband has been at the Mepishill care home for a number of years, after the latest news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. A court has heard how the boyfriend of 19-year-old Amelia Arnold, who was found dead in Hatfield in November, told his uncle he'd murdered her. 22-year-old Jack Wall from Stevenage has admitted manslaughter. A Leighton buzzard man is due before magistrates this morning, charged with possessing drugs and ammunition in connection with loot and gun crime. And a police in Bedford are looking for a group of teenagers who pursued a disabled woman for 40 minutes, verbally abusing and then robbing her. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. After all the talking, England finally begin their Ashes campaign at Trent Bridge this morning, looking to win their third straight series against Australia. Our cricket correspondent Jonathan Agnew looks ahead. It was 1989 that England were last favourites to win the Ashes. Then an Australian team dubbed in the British press as the worst ever to visit these shores won 4-0. Although England are strong favourites and have a good team, it's not a great one, suggesting a clean sweep is highly unlikely. Conditions, though, might suit them. This Trent Bridge pitch is starting as dry as any I can remember here, bringing Graham Swan into play early and assisting reverse swing for which James Anderson is renowned. If this ground's once prepared a dry pitch, others probably will too, which will challenge Australia's weaknesses, the calibre of their batting and the lack of a quality spinner. Britain's Chris Froome is still race leader in the Tour de France. Meanwhile, Mark Cavendish will look to put a dramatic day behind him when the 11th stage gets underway later. Marcel Cattell claimed victory yesterday, but Cavendish was in the spotlight after being forced to deny he was responsible for colliding with the Dutch rider Tom Velas at the end of the stage, despite the pair appearing to touch elbows. The sprinter's been cleared of any wrongdoing in the crash, and a testy Cavendish protested his innocence to reporters after the race. I touched with him, but the road's bearing left. I know you're trying to get all the... On Mark Cavendish, a really bad sprinter again the road's bare and left 150 meters ago the road bears left I'm, either I go I follow the road or I hit the barriers and finally in football Mark Schwarz has said it was an easy decision to join Chelsea after speaking to manager Jose Mourinho the former Fulham goalkeeper has signed a one-year deal at Stamford Bridge and that's your latest news and sports I'll be back with more at nine o'clock Call 08459 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, here every weekday between six and nine. Now, before the news, we were speaking to Beryl. Beryl's husband, uh, who has Alzheimer's, has been at the Mepeshul Care Home for a number of years. This was identified by the Care Quality Commission as having a number of problems, including problems with the care, safety and welfare of the 70 residents. The CQC found there was a shortage of staff. Residents were calling out for help, but staff were ignoring them. The toilet areas hadn't been cleaned, and less than 50% of the mattresses on the beds were clean. Now, Beryl, you you were telling me that you were you were called to a meeting uh, to talk about this report, but they didn't really discuss the report at all. What, 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 what just reminds what kind of things did they say in this meeting? Well, they took questions from the floor. Um, a lot of people said they were more than happy with the care that their relative was receiving. Uh, I guess people were asking questions, though, but not knowing what, the, the, you know, they didn't know what the problem was, so they couldn't ask about what was going on. You've hit it in one, Ian. Oh. hit it in one. Absolutely. But the other thing I would like to ask Central Beds is, and I did ask this question at the meeting, but I don't consider I received a suitable reply, was, 
Why did it take the CQC to identify these problems? Because central beds have known for years that there's been problems at that home. They've had embargoes placed on them many times before. Central beds visit that home on a regular basis. Why was it the CQC that picked up these things? What, what is central beds part in not identifying these problems? before the CQC's visit. Well, I think we can we can certainly look into putting those questions to central beds. Uh, looking back, do you think that you would have been able to spot any of these problems, Beryl? Th- th- now that you know what the problems are, do, do you kind of go, oh, that makes sense, oh, that makes sense now? No, not really. No. Because, as I say, the normal visitor would not be aware of um, record-keeping, which apparently was abysmal. Uh, in a lot of areas, um, infection control, um, and in this report it states quite clearly on many occasions that the previous manager, who'd only been there about six months, met with resistance when he tried to change things. Now that didn't come out at the meeting, you know? Um, That poor manager, who was not there to speak for himself, He was slated at that meeting, but the report says he met with resistance. So, you know, there there are a lot of things that really need discussing. And in my opinion, there should now be a further meeting, now that we know what's in that report, to actually go through the 11 points that the CQC highlighted. Has that not been suggested then by, by the care home or central beds that there should be another meeting? No. But I can assure you I will be doing exactly that. Well, do, 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 do certainly I, I would suggest, Beryl, you, you phone up today um, and, and, yes. and start the movement to, uh, to get another meeting because it's, it's the, the very least that you and, and the residents and the families deserve. Beryl, have a listen to this. We've got a statement from uh, Julie Ogley, who is Director of Social Care, Health and Housing at Central Bedfordshire Council. It's, it's read by producer Tara. Have a listen to this, Beryl. I'll be keen to get your thoughts on it. We fully appreciate that this is a very anxious and unsettling time for residents of Mepishal Care Home and their families and are doing everything we can to support them. Given the seriousness of the findings of the recent Care Quality Commission inspection, we thought it was right to discuss our concerns about standards of care at the home. We also wanted to give residents and their families the opportunity to express their views on the care, with the home's owner, managers and staff also present. We found that there were very mixed views about the quality of care being delivered at the care home. On the whole, families appreciated the fact that we had come to speak to them. We asked residents and their families to contact us directly if they had any concerns about the care being delivered. We also advised that we are undertaking reviews of individual residents to ensure that they're receiving the care that they require. Beryl, that's the statement from Julia Ogley, Director of Social Care at uh, Central Beds Council. What do you think? Oh, very good. And um, very economical with real facts. Um, Yes, Julie was at that meeting. She actually chaired that meeting. Um, Yes, they did ask uh, the um, relatives there what their opinion was on the care of the home. But as I've said to you, they were not aware of the findings and would not have been aware of those problems. Um, Also, she states that if we wish to speak to them, 
you know, we could ring them. I tried all last week, Ian. I left messages on the answer phones that they had, and I have not had a call back. Who is it you're trying to speak to specifically, Beryl? Uh, any one of the four people that were present at that meeting. For, is that, are they from the council or from the care home? From the council. OK. Oh. Uh, I tell you what we can try and do today is we can certainly try and put in a few calls to see if there's, if there's any way we can maybe speed that up a little bit so you can talk to them if you'd like. Uh, can I apologise for my voice, Ian? I don't usually speak like this. I've had a virus and it's attacked my voice box. <laughs> so uh, your, your apology is accepted. You sound very husky, Beryl. It's a great yeah. voice. Finally, your husband is staying in the care home. Is that correct? Well, yes, because Ian, he has advanced Alzheimer's. Mm. He doesn't know what's going on around him. I have to make sure everything is right. Basically, his care... It's okay. It's okay. There are areas that I'm not particularly happy about to do with personal care. Um, but I think that's pe- just people's different standards, you see. How, how old is your husband, Beryl? He's 78. Uh, and uh, some people might be questioning why you're leaving there, but I can certainly understand that moving a 78-year-old man with Alzheimer's, it w- would be, whether he's aware of what's going on or not, would be very traumatic for him, wouldn't very, it? Very, very traumatic. Very. Beryl, listen, it's nice to talk to you. Thank you for coming on. We'll, we'll certainly follow this story with interest. I will speak to our, my team today to see if we can put in a, a call, if it's OK with you, to see if there's some way we can get you and, and uh, Julie Ogley or someone from Central Beds Council talking together. Would that yes, be OK? I, I really would like to speak to them. We'll see what we can do, Beryl. Thank you very much indeed. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Why do we treat our old people and our ill people so badly? I don't understand it. I don't get it. We've got this woman in a, a, a buggy being bullied and robbed. We've got people in a care home. Oh, they're in their 70s and 80s. They've got dementia. They won't know. Oh, they won't know what's going on. Let's cut as many corners as we can. Why do we do that? Ah. <sighs> Hey, a film has been made in Letchworth. Tom Bridley from uh, North Hearts District Council says that Simon Pegg's new blockbuster, well, it's not been released yet, we'll see about that, The World's End, which uh, scenes were filmed in Letchworth, could attract people to the area, boosting the economy. Sadly, Tom won't be going to this evening's swanky premiere. I have not been invited oh. to the premiere. I can't even get on to the general release in Letchworth on the 19th of July, completely sold out, oh. now putting on a second screening. All 500 tickets went straight away. This uh, a film, of course... Uh, made by Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, who did Shaun of the Dead and other things. Is it any good, though? I'm joined by film reviewer Simon Thompson. Simon, I'm a big fan of Simon Pegg and uh, probably Nick Frost even more. Most of their films are good. They have done a few clunkers. I'm thinking of Paul in particular. Is this film any good? This film is absolutely first class. Absolutely hilarious. I I was very lucky to be able to go and see it on Monday night. Um, For those that don't know, this is part of a trilogy of films that the director, Edgar Wright, uh, did, starting off, as you say, with Shaun of the Dead, then to Hot Fuzz, and now ending with The World's End. He calls it the um, the, uh, the Blood and Ice Cream or the Cornetto trilogy. Um, they always wanted to make Growing Up Being Friends, and obviously making uh, the TV show Space together. It is a brilliant showcase, though, for Letchworth Garden City. Um, uh, the place has never looked so, well, 
uh, alieny uh, and also uh, interesting. I think. Will Will residents recognise oh, places? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All over the shop. I mean, most of the film, the, the exterior certainly was shot uh, on location in, in Letchworth. Uh, many of the local pubs that are actually used in the film. Um, there's one called the Tavern, the Colonnade, and the Three Magnets. Uh, the actual pub that is called the World's End in the movie uh, is a pub called the Gardener's Arms. That's on uh, Wilbury Hills Road. Uh, other ones used include the Broadway Cinema, which is turned into a, a club called the Mermaid, uh, which is going to be great because obviously, as the, the uh, council was just saying, um, it, it's showing there on the 19th when it opens uh, nationwide. So to be in the cinema that's actually used in the movie as a nightclub, it's going to be quite freaky. Uh, and Letchworth Train Station has actually been renamed The Hole in the Wall. So there are absolutely loads of points of recognition. And also the first roundabout, that is in there too. That's actually quite a good feature. I, I do enjoy their films. I do think that they slightly have the law of diminishing returns. Shaun of the Dead, I think, is, is wonderful. Hot Fuzz, it, it made me chuckle. Where does this sit? Uh, I think if you were ranking them in order, certainly for me, it would be Shaun of the Dead, this, then Hot Fuzz. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and also, I think, because uh, you and I are both of an age... Thank uh, you. ...where it's kind of... We like to think we're still 17 and revisit things that we did when we were young and cool and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and probably in much better shape. Um, we'll probably get a lot out of this movie because we'll look at it and go, oh, that's me. Oh, God, that's me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you know where I'm coming from. Sad old men. Not necessarily sad, just old. <laughs> so you definitely give it a, a, a thumbs up in movie parlance. You, you think it's worth going to see, and, and residents of Letchworth will uh, probably get an extra kick out of it. I think it, yeah, I mean, certainly local residents, obviously people who, who live in Welling Garden City as well, that gets featured quite a bit too. Um, we'll, we'll certainly get a kick out of this, because this is places that they, they live their everyday lives. You know, there are uh, certain elements uh, that have been changed, because this is Hollywood after all, but much of it is still the same. One thing they will get, though, is this really weird thing, and this will happen, any film you've seen set in London, certainly, uh, is suddenly someone is walking past a well-known landmark, and suddenly, for instance, in London, Big Ben, and then they take another couple of steps down the road, and they're at the London Eye. Yes. And then all of a sudden, they're in Big Ben, um, at the House of Parliament, and then they're on Primrose Hill. Yeah. So, I'm not saying that Letchworth Garden City is geographically created perfectly, but it is actually worth doing. And here's a cool thing, actually. Once you've seen the film next weekend, because it comes out next Friday, um, on the, um, the Letchworth website, letchworth.com, there is actually a walking tour oh. that has been set up where people can actually download it and walk the path of the movie and kind of experience the whole thing for themselves. I'm not suggesting you do the Ten Pine Pub Crawl. No. No, that could get very, very messy. Yeah. Um, but certainly if you want to live the movie, as Letchworth goes Hollywood, um, you can do that and it doesn't even cost you a penny, unless obviously you want a drink. So there we go. Simon Thompson, uh, film reviewer, thank you very much. Uh, indeed, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. We'll speak to Bill in a little bit, to as uh, uh, talking about the privatisation of Royal Mail. But before that, let's get the travel with Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Things on the roads of the Three Counties are not looking too bad at the moment. It's moving a little bit slowly on the A1 as you come down toward the Black Cat Roundabout at Roxton. Barford Bypass not looking too bad, though, on the approach to the Black Cat Roundabout. The A421 is actually looking OK, and into Bedford, it doesn't seem to be running too badly either. Uh, just having a quick check of the speed sensors. Patches of traffic on the A1M now as you come from Hitchin down towards Stevenage, probably from Letchworth down towards Stevenage. 
actually. It's looking slow on the A5 through Dunstable, still between the two A505 junctions, slow into and out of Aylesbury on the A41, from there to and from Aston Clinton. Bletchley, as you come in toward Bletchley, eastbound it looks like there's a little bit of a delay on the A421, but it's not too bad, and then onwards into Milton Keynes is running quite well. Hartford, the A414 is looking slow up toward the A10. The A10 is busy once you come down into Chesant toward the M25, and then patches of traffic on the M25 through the roadworks, and anti-clockwise particularly slow from the M1 round to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Right, 8.46, it's Wednesday the 10th of July, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A court has heard how the boyfriend of 19-year-old Amelia Arnold, who was found dead in Hatfield in November, told his uncle he'd murdered her. 22-year-old Jack Wall from Stevenage has admitted manslaughter. Police in Bedford are looking for a group of teenagers who pursued a disabled woman for 40 minutes, verbally abusing and then robbing her. In sport, England captain Alistair Cook has told his side it's important they hit the ground running when the Ashes gets underway at 11 o'clock this morning. Coming up earlier on, we heard from uh, Beryl, who was talking about the care home in Bedford. Well, we've got a call coming up from uh, somebody else who's involved with that care home. We'll speak to her after the latest weather with Wendy Hurrell. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello there, we've got another beautiful start to the day, but increasing from the north is some cloud. It's a cold front, so there's not much rain on it. In fact, no rain on it really at all, apart from a little bit of drizzle caught up here and there. But there is going to be more cloud for us as we go through the afternoon. The plus side is it's also breaking up as it comes south, so we are going to still see some sunny spells uh, later on today. But I think the best of the sunshine is about now. And we'll have temperatures reaching the low 20s as a result of this cloud coming in. Then as we go through the evening and overnight uh, clear at first but there will be this sort of sea mist and low cloud that creeps in and actually making a quite decent headway across the country and so I think for most places there will be a sort of grey start to the day tomorrow if you're up very early. Temperatures will fall to about 11 or 12 overnight and then we start tomorrow, yes, with that little bit of cloud around but it should burn away pretty quickly for another sunny afternoon and temperatures will get to about 25 degrees Celsius uh, feeling nice and pleasant in the afternoon. Comfortable temperatures. Friday as well, a cloudy start and it might take a little bit longer to get going but again, blue sky by the afternoon and temperatures approaching 25 once again. So as we go through Saturday, it's going to turn even hotter. There will be a draw of uh, warmer air in from the near continent, lots of sunshine, so there will be places, probably the further you go towards London, that will get up to about 29 or 30 degrees Celsius. So this dry sunny weather continues, apart from the bit of cloud today. Thank you, Wendy. Every weekday morning, questions are asked. What should the government do next to stop people smoking? Who do you blame for our failing high streets? Opinions are formed. There is no place in a civilised society for people like that. They should get real. Part of me says it is wrong. And you get to have your say. I think the whole thing is absolute garbage, frankly. Join in with the big phone-in from Nine. Not everyone will agree. What an interesting conversation. The JVS Show. Weekday mornings from Nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Now, earlier on, we spoke to Beryl. Beryl's husband is 78. He's got Alzheimer's and he's a resident at the uh, Mepishal Care Home uh, in central Bedfordshire, which has been identified by the Care Quality Commission as having severe problems, including problems with care, safety and welfare of the 70 residents. The CQC found there was a shortage of staff. Residents were calling out for help but were being ignored. The toilet areas hadn't been cleaned and less than 50% of the mattresses on the beds were clean and free from stains. Well, I'm joined now by Sarah. Sarah, am I right you work at the Mepishal Care Home? So, oh, sorry, Sarah, I got the wrong line. You're there. Sarah, are you there? Yes, I am. Is, am I right that you work at the, the Mepishal Care Home? Yes, that's correct. And how long have you been there for? I've been there for about 18 years, which is like when the home first opened. What do you think of these uh, uh, points that the CQC has raised? Well, for one reason, like when we were called to the meeting um, a couple of weeks ago, um, Central Bedfordshire were there, um, arrived late, which people at the meeting weren't very happy about, um, and a lot of the questions um, people were put in couldn't actually be answered because the CQC themselves weren't there. Now, in my mind, if, if the meeting's being called because of things that have arisen by the report from the CQC, they're the people that should be answering the questions... <sighs> That, 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 that's one argument. The, the, the problem that Beryl had, I don't know if you heard her earlier on, was that the, the care home and the council hadn't flagged up what the meeting was about and didn't make the CQC report available and didn't go through it during that meeting. No, I, I don't think they did. I mean, I... Should they have done? Yeah, I mean, personally, I because I'd looked for it earlier um, and couldn't find it, and I knew that, that at that point we were having the meeting, that it was actually on the internet. I quickly read through it before I went. So I, I knew certain pointers that were actually um, in, in the report. And, and some of the things that uh, were there for reading were not good at all. But on the other hand, when these people come in to inspect the home, they only get a snapshot picture of what is going on you know and for them to report things like um somebody laying in a bed for 10 weeks in sort of like squalid conditions is totally outrageous because you know that simply isn't true i mean they're not there for sort of like 10 weeks full on to actually see that where do you think they got that impression from then i i I honestly don't i honestly do not know I, i mean it's just um well, you, you wouldn't, would you? I mean, it's just... Well, you would hope not, but no. it, 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 it would imply that people have done this. Uh, would, so what about the... the uh, let's go through some of these things we've got, uh, point by point. Uh, uh, shortage of staff, residents calling out for help but being ignored. Right. Well, I don't... I mean, obviously, Beryl's case is more, more to do with the dementia side. Yep. I don't actually work on that side. I actually work on the nursing home OK, side. but the point that the CQC raised, that, that people were being ignored when they were calling out for help, they, you have little alarms, don't you, in these homes? You press a button and a buzzer goes and uh, a, a light flashes. Yeah. According to the CQC, people were being ignored. Right. On, I mean, on, the, on their statement, they put out that, um, that the, um, this lady was calling out and the bell was not in position for her to call, um, you know, to call the staff. But... They actually called for the staff to come, and yes, the staff did come, and they they did what the lady was asking. But the thing being as well is you you also have to have, is if two of the staff are needed on a floor that they're working, 
um, to hoist somebody to, to the toilet or to bed or out of bed, um, and the bell is, like, ringing, um, they're not always there just at that point to go and just say, look, I'll just be one minute, I'm just, you know, hoisting somebody, you know. But that does imply, then, that the CQC are right, that there is a shortage of staff. Well, no, not really, because you have to look to the uh, amount of people we've got, yep. to the amount of people you have on, on a shift um, to, to cover the, the floor. Why wouldn't the buzzer have been where she could access it? I don't know. That, that's, that's, a, that's not great, is it? No, 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 it's not. I mean, sometimes, I mean, uh, quite a lot of the times, if they're, like, in bed, they're, like, just tied over the bed, yeah. um, or the resident has got it in their hand, well, sometimes they could drop it. I'm, I'm not saying that that's true, but, I mean, uh, or if they're in a wheelchair, so, again, if they're in the room, sometimes it's, like, just tied over the wheelchair so as it's there for them to reach it. Um, but, I mean, as I say, yesterday, I mean, I had a lady come in whose husband was actually on our side who was very upset um, because she'd heard your programme yesterday morning. And then, because obviously it was getting talked about, I had a, one of our residents who was very upset saying, you know, obviously, um, I, I, um, I really like it here and I don't want to move. This is my home. Um, so... It, it's very upsetting for these people. Of course it is. The care of the elderly and those, the, the infirm, is upsetting. A couple of other points. Uh, the toilet areas hadn't been cleaned. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, again... Is that I, true? I, I wasn't there. I don't know. It was on the dementia unit. Because um, that's terrible if that's the case, isn't it? But, well, that, I isn't think it? said that they, they found feces on the floor. Now, I, w- I, would put, I wouldn't say that it's a good thing if they did, but... It's a terrible thing if they did, isn't it? Yeah, but... The, Dementia people yeah. are, are totally different from just ordinary elderly people. Yeah. And how did they know that a member of staff hadn't just gone off to get a cleaning bucket to, to clear that up? Well, I, I would imagine they would have monitored... I, I, I imagine, and I, I don't know, I would imagine they would have monitored it slightly. Listen, if there's faeces on the floor, that, that's bad. That's a health hazard. So, someone could slip on it or someone could, you know, you don't want muck on the floor. That should have been cleaned up instantly. But why? Why shouldn't it? They, well, yes, it should. Why did they not bring it up with a senior member of staff when they saw it? Why? Did because it's not their it's, it's it's not their job necessarily to interfere. They have to uh, uh, well, monitor right. everything as it yeah, happens. Why? If they if they see something that's not that's wrong, if they brought it up with a senior member yeah. of staff when they were there, yeah, it could be dealt with. But Sarah, that, that, that's not their job. Their job is to monitor the, the care home in the, its normal functioning state. And, and if it's not up to them to report the fact that there's mess on the floor. No, but yeah, but but then they could be said to be failing in their job by not actually. No, their job. Their job is just to notice uh, and write down I everything disagree. that happens. I, I disagree. Well, no, that I is their job. Sorry? That, that is their job. Their, their, their job is to note how the care home works under natural, normal circumstances. Well, I think, I think if they see something that is particularly wrong, that they think is particularly wrong... Uh, Sarah, my mum is in a care home. I would be disgusted if I went into any of the toilets and saw there was faeces there. Yeah, well, so would I. Well, then but, it's not good enough, is it? Well, no, it's not, but then... Then it, it shouldn't happen. No, it's you can't blame the CQC for the, fa- for the failings of the care home. No, I'm not saying you can, but, OK, the faeces on the floor, dirty toilet, whatever. What about you the dirty go, mattresses? You can go anywhere, 
Like, even if you were out shopping and find a dirty toilet... You yeah, but it's a care it. home. It's a care home, Sarah. There yeah. should be people there to clear that up. But you can't compare it to a toilet in a supermarket. There is. There is. Well, they, they failed then. 50% of the mattresses on the beds... Uh, less than 50% of the mattresses on the beds were clean and free from stains. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what they're looking at. I don't the the really stains know. on mattresses. Because they, they, they are not going in and checking every single mattress. They don't do that. They don't do that. I know they don't. So where did they get that figure from? I don't know. They don't do it. They come in, they'll perhaps check our medication sheets, well, they, no. Another thing, just quickly, because we're running out of time, in the report they say that staff had completed the night log for each person, which they'd signed, dated and timed at 7.30. The entry said people were washed and dressed, but when they checked, some people were still in their beds. They hadn't been washed, they hadn't been dressed. Those logs had been filled in incorrectly. Yeah, well, I... That's awful, isn't that, it? That is wrong. That is, okay. that is wrong. Do you, very, do you think, Sarah, that part of the problem is, and I'm not knocking you at all, but do you think part of the problem is that people are reluctant to accept criticism? No, I don't. Um, and I'm hopeful that now having a change of manager is going to put that things right because the staff have been at an all-time low. OK. Well, Sarah, listen, we have to end it there. Uh, I, I, I think we've certainly opened up a debate that no doubt we will continue. Uh, at some point. That was Sarah, uh, who uh, from the Mepishaw uh, Care Home, and uh, I have a statement here from the CQC. They carried out an inspection there on the 13th of May in response to concerns about the service. At the time, it was found that improvements were needed. The CQC is taking action with regard to this service. However, our legal processes do not allow us to go into further detail at this time. During this time, we continue to work closely with our partner agencies, such as Central Bedfordshire Council, with regard to the safety and welfare of people using the service. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A1 still busy southbound at the Black Cat roundabout from Eaton Soken, slow as well through towards Sandy. The A1M looking busy from Letchworth towards Stevenage and a bit of traffic on the A6 from Bedford down towards Clop Hill. The A5 is looking slow in Dunstable on the sensors coming toward the A505 junctions on the southbound side. The A41 you'll find a delay into Aylesbury from Aston Clinton and it's also looking a little bit slow from Hemel Hempstead down toward the M25 and indeed beyond the M25 then as you continue on the A41 in toward Watford it's looking quite slow as well. M25 looking very busy as you make your way into the roadworks section past Junction 25 near to Chesant, through past Potter's Bar looking slow as well and delays round to the M40 on the anti-clockwise side. Adam Gluck, Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. He almost got his own name wrong. What a silly sausage. Thank you everyone. JVS is up next. Until tomorrow from me, ta-ta. FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Wednesday morning and on today's big phone-in, a 45-year-old disabled woman from Bedford has been pursued on her